Welcome to the Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome editor, Sam Dillon. And today we are bringing you Season 2 of the World Tree Burns podcast, the official actual play 5th edition D&D podcast that takes place in the Cobalt Press setting Midgard. We hope you enjoy this season, and without further ado, let's see what Dan Dillon has in store for his players. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to Encounter Roleplay. I nailed it again. My name is Will. I'm a D&D sex icon, and we're back today for another episode of The World's Tree Burns. Uh, I was just discussing with the crew before, this might be the longest-running show we've ever had on the channel at this point. This is technically episode 30, if you include the 60 episodes from last season, uh, which is fucking wild. Um, but let's go around and meet the cast and crew. Remind ourselves who we are. Who are playing tonight? Dan, our illustrious Dungeon Master. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm ready to go. I'm Dan Dillon. I'm Dungeon Master for this here game of 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, The World Tree Burns. Thank you so much for joining us all. Uh, we are in the middle of the Marguerite Forest, and uh, there's going to be some interesting stuff going on. Ready for a tea party. Yes. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Party time. Yeah. We have Simply back of us today. Simply, how's it going tonight? It's pretty good. Just hanging out. Um, and um, three people. People, I guess. I don't know. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm in the midst of, like, my whole life, like, overhaul right now. So this is, like, this great reprieve I have in the middle of the week to be able to come and play D&D with you guys. So I'm super, I'm super excited to continue writing this story. And I hope you guys are, too. Yeah. yeah. But I, I play our, our dwarven fighter, Tilly. She's got a really bad Scottish accent. And she probably drinks way too much ale for her own good. But that's, you know, that's dwarves. So what can you do? I get Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, we have McLoken back of us today. Luke, how's it going, my friend? Hello, I'm McLoken. How are you today? I'm playing uh, Cloak, the lovable Neheim gnome. I'm glad to hear that, Will. Um, I uh, I am going to always speak the truth in this game. So whatever you hear me say, it's accurate. Don't doesn't matter what anyone else says. Uh, and we're in a shit show right now, and I don't know how Cloak's gonna react. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it moment by moment because, like, uh, I, di I didn't want to plan how he would react because I think this would be like kind of a fear instinct, and I want to play it out as it goes. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I've got Scarlet Wolf back of us tonight. Scarlet, how's it going today? Hello, I definitely haven't been stressing over this show all week. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have no idea what's going to happen uh, so I couldn't come up with a plan so I'm, I think I'm just rolling with it I'm playing uh, Rowan the Ravenfolk cleric who may or may not be dead definitely is definitely, <laughs> yeah, definitely sort is. of uh, definitely sort of dead <laughs> <laughs> we sorted that one out tool school how's it going today my friend 31 months. I think I've like been a subscriber like longer than you've been alive, Will, or something like that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. It's like I was just sitting here and Will came along and made a channel around me. Um, <laughs> I am playing Glass, who is our Geomancer wizard. And uh, yeah, he's always wanted to go to a fancy tea party. And here's a fancy lady offering to have us to a tea party in the middle of the Margrave Forest. It sounds lovely. 
Totally does. Totally does. Can't wait for it. Uh, I myself will be playing Riordan, the Dampier Paladin. Um, Riordan has joined them in the Margrave Forest to escape a breakup that never really happened, but in his mind definitely did. Um, after guild buying an apartment for his now ex-maybe boyfriend, uh, Genielle. Um, so he's, he's on vacation as far as Riordan is concerned. Although, if any heretics do show up, then they will have to all be killed. <laughs> Murdered immediately. Um, but otherwise than that, he's going to be having a good time, kicking back, relaxing today with some tea, by the sounds of things. Uh, but before we get started today, our reminder, guys, all the usual things. The first of which is, of course, we're here, sponsored today by Kobold Press. We're using the Midgard World Book campaign materials. Go and check that out on koboldpress.com for your own Midgard adventures. The interactive map is awesome. Um, and all of the... Materials there for running a dark fantasy D&D 5e campaign. More than you could ever hope for. So go and check that out. And of course, our regular sponsors for the show include FantasyGrounds.com, our virtual tabletop of choice. You can go and sort out your own virtual tabletops from home. Playing online with your friends at FantasyGrounds.com. The demo version is free on Steam or on their website. WellandGames.co.uk is a go-to destination for tabletop war games, board games, and more at up to 20% off the retail price. So go and check those guys out. And then last but not least, tabletop. TabletopLoot.com is the place to get all of your beautiful dice. If you haven't gone and retweeted this tweet, when we hit 20 retweets, which looks like only a couple of retweets away, we give away a set of Tabletop Loot dice to you guys watching right there in the audience. And of course, if you're watching on YouTube, you can come join us every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern um, to watch the show live, and of course, to be in for those giveaways as well. Uh, you can, of course, donate to affect the game by giving players that ones, that twenties, wild magic surges, and oh, so much worse. But on that note, I'll hand over to our Dungeon Master Dan to remind us what happened last week on the show. Right. So last week was a little bit more of a laid-back uh, episode for the most part. It was in the aftermath of all the craziness with the devils that attacked you in the Silk Scabbard, and uh, you guys have the invitation that uh, to a party, a feat at the Zealous family estate, and of uh, of course the Zealous family. For, uh, for for our friends here, are famous for uh, botanicals, rare plants, herbs uh, used in spell components, alchemy, as well as um, medicinal and just aesthetic purposes. But also, <laughs> the uh, apparently the patriarch of the Zealous family was a void speaker who was doing horrible, unspeakable things below the city and uh, in the nearby ruin of Castle Shadowcrag and uh, thwarting whatever his plans were uh, cost you the life of one of your companions. And uh, so that's sort of just looming over you coming up in the next few weeks. In the interim, there are all sorts of little things you all had decided to uh, to put right and, and get some uh, irons out of the fire and finish these little tasks up. One of those was taking your dwarf smith friend, Paula Everforge, out into the Margrave Forest to the sort of now abandoned uh, holding that her family used to um, <clears throat> used to live and work. It was a forge with a, a very particular furnace that drew its power from the elemental plane of fire. Uh, Cloak desires a magical saber, and while Paula has some small magical talent, because you've seen her shut down that furnace and condense it into a little mode of pure blue elemental flame, which Glyce carries in a lantern, uh, she is not a, a, a wizard or an artificer or anything like that, so she needs the assistance of her ancestral forge to create this weapon. And so all of you have uh, trekked out into the Marguerite Forest with that in mind. 
Uh, you made an offering to the forest in the form of six live pigs, thanks to the research done by Cloak, that uh, the ancient and very real sentience presence of the forest um, can turn against you if it doesn't like you. And so he made that offering to kind of smooth your passage. Making your way through the forest, you camped. There was uh, there were some in-depth, uh, so some interesting heart-to-heart -heart conversations that happened over the night. While, uh, while watches were held, and everyone on watch heard strange rustling noises off in the forest, but never saw what it was until you struck your camp the next day, everyone feeling somewhat groggy and tired, like you just didn't sleep very well, just run down. And as you were getting ready to, to break camp and, and head the last few hours of travel to the, to the, the uh, halls of Everforge, a woman, beautiful, otherworldly looking woman with skin of polished wood, uh, hair that looks like long growing moss with a crown of beautiful wildflowers woven into it, uh, a, a sort of um, almost like a short toga, a kind of off one shoulder made of the same woven of flowers with a, uh, a bow held in one hand. Uh, she walks barefoot. Her eyes are this flat swirling gray of a storm front, clouds in the sky. And she smiled and bid you good morning, and told you that she had been sent by her mother to offer you an invitation to tea. All six of you. And that's where we pick up right now. Well, I'd love to go to tea. Um, anyone else in? Kind of parched. Wait a minute. Who, Are you a dragon? Who is your... Who is she, your... Uh, she laughs a sort of... Um, her voice when she laughs, it sounds like, almost like chimes rustling in trees blown by wind. And she says, no, 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 dear boy, I'm not a dragon. Of course not. And even if I were, I mean, you know, I... Well, there you go. That seems good to me. I mean, I've just had a messy sort of breakup thing, so I'm looking for, you know, no strings attached kind of tea. Hmm. She just sort of smiles knowingly at that and uh, sort of sweeps her gaze around at the, uh, at the rest of you and says, well, shall I take that as an acceptance of this most gracious offer? Dan, uh, mm -hmm. a few things. Uh, sure. Do I, know, do I know about these tea parties? I mean, you've heard all sorts of horror stories. Uh, oh, yeah. I guess we should also say that uh, Cloak is the only one uh, of our assembled heroes who knows what this creature is. This is a Vila. They are uh, related to Dryads, and they are said to be the daughters of Baba Yaga, the witch. Because uh, there's a few things I want to be doing right now while everyone's having this conversation. Uh, okay. I have a piece of paper. I'm scribing, um, you know, this is a Vila. They can't see me part of the ritual and then i'm sliding that in glass's hand um okay and then i'm getting up close to puff puff because i don't know what's going to happen uh i'm whispering in sylvan i'm not with glass and then um i don't know if anyone else looks at me cloak has a mix of like fear anger and uh I want to say, like, bloodlust uh, uh, coming off of him right now. Uh, and he's staring very intently uh, and, like, his hands on his hilt. And if anyone looks you, at him, he would, like, huh? You haven't drawn yet? Sword still sheathed? No, no. He's He knows. I think he, he would know that they can't see him. But um, if anyone looks at him, he would be, like. Yeah, Rowan would have looked at you because she understands Sylvan. Okay. <clears throat> So, uh, yeah, everybody, Cloak is acting a little 
weird. He seems um, equal parts terrified and enraged and just barely still on the handle. His hand is on the hilt of his weapon. His red cloak with the moss and acorns and mushrooms that grow out of the hood and down the shoulder parts of mantle is wrapped tightly around his shoulders and the uh the corner of it that he usually wraps around his left wrist and uses as a almost like a dueling shield you can see that it's like slithering of its own accord around his hand and and kind of loosening and tightening uh by turns and it looks like the hem of it on the other side is shaking or vibrating and it gives you the visual sense of a, a rattlesnake's rattle tilly will I'm, I'm sure I would notice the, this much action happening and nobody else noticing, or at least not this Vala noticing, even though I don't know where she is. But I think in reply would be like, well, while tea is really nice, I don't think we're, uh, it's on our schedule for today. I mean, don't, don't you need to get work? We need to get done, right? She, uh, she holds up a hand and kind of waves your concern away, and she says, oh, I'm certain it won't delay you terribly long, and my mother's home is not far from here. It won't take you far out of your way. <laughs> Who is so, her mother? She just sort of smiles at that and tilts her head and, and looks at Rowan with this sort of really? Look. <laughs> um Glaz, a slip of parchment has found its way into your hand as Cloak kind of edged over to you. And kind so of I, very couple, subtly. Yeah. I, I mean this this you know woman who has approached um I think Laz is, he's got a couple things going on. First thing, it's the, um, you know, here's a nice woman, the, the hospitality, uh, uh, you know, in our uh, midst, asking us to go to tea. The other one is, if I recall, Cloak did, you know, informed us about him doing his senses and saying there's lots of fae around, there's lots of mm -hmm. the undead and that sort of thing. And, I mean, I guess the question would be, I mean, not knowing who this is or what it is, but knowing that there's Fae around and knowing that Fae get offended and stuff, you know, in general, I mean, would I even have that? I mean, that that's sort of just general oh, yeah. kind of Certainly. knowledge in the world is you don't. You're, Fae are tricky. Yeah, you're, you're proficient in Arcana. That's very basic to know about yeah. Fae. Yeah. Uh, Fae are um, very, um, they're very capricious, but they're also very uh, beholden to etiquette and um, protocol or procedure. The problem is you can't really ever pin down what the damn procedure is. So it's very easy to commit a gaffe. Yep. Having gone to school in Bimia, he's familiar. Um, <laughs> about making gaffes, that is. Um, yeah. I think he would say, we would never want to... Uh, to, to turn down uh, your hospitality, which has been so kindly offered to us, uh, great lady. Um, however, uh, I do not think that we are uh, presentable to uh, honor you in such a way to uh, attend this tea at this time, perhaps. I'm I would hate to offend you or your mother in any way. She, uh, she says, if my mother would be offended by your presence, she would never have requested it. Think nothing of it. What's your mum like? I mean... Oh, she's wonderful. I think you'll love her. She's this very old. like a win-win. But she's uh, very knowledgeable. And she's also very powerful. Oh, she said knowledgeable. Sure. She's I'm lived sure many lifetimes. She knows she many secrets. she have lots of stories to tell? She has all the stories to tell, my dear. Oh. Every single one of them. Does she have ale? 
<laughs> I'm certain she does. Can I roll insight on her, Dan? Sure, go ahead. Uh, when you make this wisdom insight check, please do so with disadvantage because you're finding it a, a little difficult to focus. And part of that is just that overwhelming tiredness you're all feeling because you all slept like anus, as far as you can tell. It's a, it's a weird feeling. Let me see here. Hold on. There's something about my character that I get like a bonus to uh, when I deal with Faye. You get advantage on uh, checks to track them and to re intelligence checks to recall information about them. Okay. Uh, so this will be just straight up. Um, yeah. No, 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 no. Her... You're inciting her. Yeah, it's disadvantage. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 10. So you're just trying to trying to get a read of her? Um, uh, just trying to figure out if she's telling the truth or what the fuck she's doing. So, like, she seems sincere. She doesn't seem like she has any uh, ulterior motive necessarily, but you know that she may have 15 different layers of motives. And certainly where you're concerned, you personally, none of those motives can possibly be good. Mm -hmm. Now, if she is unaware of your presence then maybe your friends can skate through. But you know that these are dangerous creatures to deal with. And if she's talking about taking them to grandmother, uh, that is just a whole other ballgame of... you. This could go so many different ways, and so many of them are so, so bad. Can I roll a perception to see if we're surrounded? Uh, I will tell you that you guys have heard moving in the in the brush, not uh, not too far from you. So there are definitely other creatures out there. You don't even need to roll for that. Mm -hmm. They're not they're not particularly trying to hide their presence. They're just not within line of sight because of the foliage. How is Paula acting? Paula is um, she's got her arms crossed over her chest, and she's kind of uh, flickering her eyes from the 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 polished wood flower woman to the rest of you and just sort of following your guys' lead. Let me let me make a, a checky check for Paula. Ah, unfortunately, that, uh, that disadvantage robbed her of uh, some potential knowledge. So she seems um, a little bit off-put, and it looks like she's kind of deferring to you guys to figure this out. I think Glaz, again, very aware of potential offense is not going to like open up a note and start reading it in front of this person. Uh, uh, so um, in response to her last address to him would be, but if we've been invited specifically, we would hate to give offense by turning down such an invitation. I think we would be pleased to have it Maybe just one cup so we can get on our way to do our business uh, that we are um, headed towards. Smiles. She smiles again and basically takes that as a scent for the whole group and says, Wonderful. It seems you already have your things. This way, I shall lead you to my so mother's house. Cloak. Yeah, Cloak, what are you doing at this point? Um, fuck. Because uh, we're surrounded... How strong do I know Avila to be? Like, um, I imagine they're powerful. So go ahead and make me an intelligence arcana check with um, uh, no advantage or disadvantage. The, the, uh, the I could success. 
Okay, just going to burn a 20 on it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, individually, you feel like this crew could take a Vila. Um, but you don't know how many others are out there, and you know that when they get together, things get a little bit more dangerous. You are pretty confident, as long as... Based on what you're hearing uh, moving around out there in the bushes, you're pretty mm-hmm. sure you could take them if it came to a fight. It's not necessarily, you know, you're not necessarily going to walk away unscathed, but uh, you can probably take them. Uh, you know that they uh, they can enthrall their victims. Um, they can, uh, and actually, now that you're starting to think about it, this strange lethargy and this little bit of dullness to your senses is starting to worry you, and you put two and two together. That rustling that you all heard in the bushes and the woods outside of your camp, that was the Vila dancing. When the Vila dance, they create a fairy ring of mushrooms and anyone who falls asleep within that ring, when they wake up, they uh, they find themselves somewhat uh, disoriented. So essentially, uh, the mechanical effect of this, guys, is you have disadvantage on all ability checks. So it's basically like a first level of exhaustion. Uh, yeah. But it's not actually exhaustion. Right. Yeah. Um, fuck. Uh, I don't think they should go see Grandmother or get anywhere near her. Um, so, uh, Cloak... Oh, this is going to be fucking crazy. All right. Cloak um, is going to... Um, as she's like trying to like entice them and all that kind of stuff... Um, will quietly uh, draw out his sword and he's going to charge at the Vila and stab her. Okay. Uh, anybody else going to uh, take any action? Considering I was just Because you at see, him, I mean, you guys can see Cloak. <laughs> you, like, you, see his, uh, you see his eyes go hard and he draws his blade. Well, hang on a minute. <laughs> but I guess I'm drawing <laughs> my sword as I say it. Because <laughs> this is I, like I'm... go time for the group. Yeah, Tilly's I'm gonna step to in front of Rowan and or, and just put herself between the Vela and Rowan, and that's it. Okay, so you're I'm, putting yourself I'm, between the Vela and Rowan. Rowan's trying to stop Cloak. Uh, yeah, Riordan is drawing uh, drawing cloak. the lash. Yeah, I, I mean drawing drawing the lash, and he's not moving to attack anyone, but he's he's drawing it in the expectation that Cloak is about to start a fight for us. Okay, uh, Glaz, anything? Laz is concerned and curious about this. He drops the shadow pearl right in front of us to affect all of us. Oh, wow. With compulsion. All right. Um, uh, what now? So, oh, all right, we've got... I don't know about the we've shadow got a, pearl. <laughs> we, we've got a, a lot of things going on here. Cloak. <laughs> Uh, Rowan is trying to stop you. Um, Tilly is kind of getting between you and Rowan and the Vila. Um, uh, Riodan's just looking a little bewildered, but ready for go time if it's happening. And Glaz is pulling out the Shadow Pearl. How do you want to react to that? How I want to react to that? Yeah, like, do you want to oh, keep, keep on keep on as you want? Or... Try- like, it's, it's fucking, like, Terminator Red Vision right now. He's fucking okay. pissed. And he's then, fucking ramming oh, the sword at her. With, let's with all initiative, please. Oh boy. So recall that you guys mm. all have disadvantage on initiative. Oh right. Oh. Balls. 
<laughs> I was trying to oh, save us all. Pretty well. Oh god. <laughs> well, that's a three. Well, at least you didn't get a one. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, anybody <laughs> over twenty? <laughs> anybody twenty to fifteen? Anybody fifteen uh, to ten? I'm strongly uh, considering, but strongly considering 14. burning. Can I burn a twenty on this? You can. Oh, I should have done that. I'm gonna burn a twenty. Okay. So what um, does that give you? Twenty something. Twenty-one. Well, I because we have disadvantage. Don't we actually have to burn two? I don't know. How does that work? I don't know. That's up to you, Dan. I mean. No, I, mean, I, I, I would I'm say assuming... that if you spend a twenty, you spend one. Right? Yeah, yeah okay. I assume you spend you spend the natural twenty. You basically, just skip the roll, and that's the result you get. All right. So okay. we got Rowan, top of the order. Uh, Cloak, you're on fourteen. Yeah. Uh, fifteen. Uh, other fifteen to ten. No. Ten to five. Oh, I got a ten. I got a ten actually. Yeah. A ten. Ten. All right. <laughs> oh, I could I could save us all. Do I build, Do I burn a twenty, or do I go with my roll? I think Rowan still goes in front of me. But, yeah, I'm going to burn a 20 as well. So what does that give you? That gives me a 21. All right. So who would like to go first between Rowan and Glaz? Uh, I leave that up to, to Glaz. Well, I'll go ahead and go, and we'll see what, what happens. Okay. There we go. So, yeah. All right. Uh, so, Tilly, where are you at? <laughs> That's a, a one. That's a big old one. Oh, zero? <laughs> a zero modified? Yeah, okay. I feel like a big zero. Just a big old. Oh. <laughs> no, all right. So, all right. Uh, <laughs> as all hell breaks loose, um, Cloak is is death staring at the Vila's seemingly unprotected back. Uh, Glaz, you're the first to react. Your hand dips into the pouch. Drop the Shadow Pearl, which is... All the, right believe a 60 foot radius uh, something like that it's nuts yeah over. it's big so it's called compulsion and it's compulsion which is a wisdom saving throw for everybody within a zone it's dim light creates dim light in an area of compulsion and class says uh i think i can just say a thing right yeah you can speak uh oh it's just de designate a direction can it be stop? Can a direction be um, stop? Uh, not exactly, but uh, sure. I'll, I'll allow you to force people to remain stationary if you want, rather than making them move away. Move. Yeah, the compulsion sure. is to stay still. Sure. Yeah, I'll go with that. All right. Uh, so Glaz reaches into the reaches into his pouch and takes out this vial that's crusted with a, a rime of frost. He pops the uh, the stopper open, and immediately this wispy uh, black mist begins pouring out of it, like when you open a freezer on a hot summer day. And uh, he pulls out a this pure black pearl and tosses it down at the ground that explodes into these swirling shadows and mists, filling almost this entire glade that you guys camped in. So, uh, everybody needs to make a wisdom saving throw. I include even Glass does, right? I'm in the uh, air. Yeah. Is this also a disadvantage? No, 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 no. No, creatures of your choice that you can see within range. So you could choose to exclude people. Ooh, 
Um, I want everyone to feel equal on equal footing here. I'm going to do everybody. Okay. I want it to be the, yeah, including the villa that, so they don't think that I'm affecting them and not us or that I'm affecting us and not them. It's the peace talk time. (laughs) Okay. All right. So every 17 pass. Is that a disadvantage, sorry? No, he said they're saving throw, right? It's not ability. Yeah. Uh, saving throws are not at disadvantage. No, at disadvantage. Okay. Yeah. Just checking. And is it my spell save DC or does the Pearl have a spell save DC? I believe the Pearl's spell save DC is 15. Hey, okay. wise people. Hey. <laughs> Wait, where's my cloaker than that one? Rowan and Rio done passed, and it looks like that is it. Uh, so. <laughs> So, Rowan, uh, you feel this spell sort of wash over you, and you can feel this these mists of, uh, of dim, shadowy, chill essence wrapping around your legs and tugging not only at your flesh, but also at your mind. But you manage to shrug it off. Cloak stops in his tracks. So you manage to kind of get in front of him, and you can put your hands on him if you want. If you want to, like, grapple him, that'll require checks, assuming he doesn't want to let you. Yeah, she's putting her hands on his shoulders at the moment. Just to sort of not grapple, but keep him there. Okay. Uh, The Vila spins around in place. um, And as she does so, you can tell that she's very, very shocked. She's startled by this. Uh, She pivots on one foot that doesn't move from where it's planted in the moss. She brings her bow up and draws an arrow back, uh, draws the the string back, and an arrow just kind of grows out of her fingertips and loads the bow. And uh, her eyes narrow, and that swirling storm starts to intensify in her eyes, and she says, what is the meaning of this? We offer you hospitality, and this is how you repay us? Explain or die, Trollkin. Oh, God. so that would um, be Cloak. Your turn. Did you just save us all? Really? Don't know. No. Uh, so, I can't move? You cannot move. Can I make a wisdom saving throw? I don't know if there is a rebuttal wisdom saving throw I can do, and that would be the end of my turn. Well, yeah, uh, after so you stop. I, yep. I believe you're going to have to make a save um, at the start of your turn, basically. Okay. Let us see if I make it. 19. Uh, that that passes. Yep. Okay. Um, the end of your turn? Because I'm not being grappled, I'm running. Uh, uh, so, no, it's, it's, it's going to be at the end of your turn. At the end of your oh, turn. Oh, the end of my happens. turn. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that's it's, a, it's after... That's... After you move in the way that the compulsion dictates, you can make a save to try and throw it off. But yeah, I think it just affects your movement. I think you still have actions, yes? Yeah, you can still take actions. You yeah, just, you can't. just can't. I, am I move. in a place to attack? You're still probably a good... Mm, uh, at this point, 20 feet away from her? Because she started right. walking uh, into the woods. And I can't. I can't take a dash action? You can't move, no. Move. Okay. I think I'm going to end my turn there, because I can't move, and that's why he's he's basically just trying to 
kill the shit out of her, so... Okay. Alright. Uh, Riodan, your turn. I move to um, be between um, Lavella and Glass because she's just threatened him. Oh, Lavella. Yeah. Uh, right. Lavella, okay. sorry, yeah. So Got it. she's just threatened him, I think. Yeah, Lavella, Lavella. <laughs> Cruella, sure. Lavella. Um, well, she yeah, and... yeah, she did threaten him. She you know she demanded an explanation and threatened consequences if he doesn't. Yeah, so I've got my lash out. Oh, and I'm like, let's everybody yeah. calm down here. I'm just, I'll be a place to take a hit in case Glass is gonna get okay. <laughs> attacked uh, there, by. Are there? Are there? Are there any other actions? No. Okay. Uh, uh, so... I don't want to do anything like. Buffy. I probably should if we're gonna get into a fight, but that's not clear. So no, he's gonna hold off. I guess maybe I'll I'll hold an action in case if she attacks, I will uh, attack back with my lash. Let's say. Okay, so you're readying an attack to strike at her if she attacks you guys. If she attacks one of us, yeah. Got it. Absolutely. All right. Um, okay. Oh, let me guess. See what the donation was. Well, yes. Uh, it's loading. There it is. Crimson uh, Phoenix, nice 25 pounds. Nobody has saved from a Phoenix, or perhaps this is a blessing, a wild magic surge for all players. <laughs> okay. Brand, brand, brand. So let's Love start it. doing that. Uh, Tilly, your turn. Uh, I think Tilly would... I don't know. I'm not convinced that Tilly would want to necessarily fight, but she would go defense. I would want to use my free action to go for dodge, but I would also like to use my action to try to persuade her that uh, Taz, uh, Glass, he's, he, he's very clumsy. He didn't sleep very well. I'm sure you know these woods are hard to sleep in. He just happened to drop. Okay. I mean, I've seen him drop like so many things over the time. So you're using your action to dodge. No problem. Um, yes. You, I believe, cannot move. So you're trying to calm the Vila. Yeah. Um, I will go ahead and let you make a charisma persuasion check with disadvantage. Sure. sure. Uh, I'm going to use my net 20 on that there, Bob. Ooh, all right. <laughs> all right. So she, um, her face softens a little bit as she listens to you speak. And, uh, I mean, look she... at him. He's got great big hands. He can't hold everything at one time sometimes, you know? She'll sort of look at you, listen for a moment, and nod once, and it looks like she lowers the bow so she's no longer training it on glass. And she says, I would still have an explanation for this. This was no accident. He invoked this magic. Tell, tell her about his glass. <laughs> it's, it's true. I, I, glass I, I, your turn. I wait till my turn. Yep, <laughs> it's your turn. Talk. Okay. Yep. Oh, is it me? Yeah, it's you. Through? Yeah. We're all through. Zero. So, yeah. Uh, so, Glass, oh, this is going to be so bad because I don't know that cloak is invisible. That's why I was trying to figure out what would you do. I don't know that you're invisible. I just know that you are protected. So, I am assuming she can make, see. Glass, Glass, you can make a, a wisdom insight check with disadvantage. Well, okay, I, in, on the note, in, I put in your hand. I haven't read it yet. That's the problem. I was saying that because I was holding it to I was holding it to not do offense. Um insight, 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 and this is at disadvantage. Oh, this is gonna go yep. so bad. 
Oh, yeah, this is a comedy of errors. Fourteen is not bad. Um, so there's a lot of action happening around about Cloak, but she didn't react until all of you started moving. That's what drew her attention. Cloak okay. just started sprinting at her, and you guys kind of got in front of him before he managed to do anything. She didn't seem to notice at all. Okay, so in that case, yeah, whole. Oh, damn it. Um, Glass is going to handle this about as well as I do. I, um, I, I meant no offense at all. I wanted to uh, make sure you were safe. Uh, I was, I was worried that there was danger in the area. I, I was trying to keep everybody safe. I, 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 I use this on all of us to show my good faith. Okay. Um, so go ahead and make a charisma persuasion check straight up. I'm giving oh. you advantage because you did hit all of your allies with the spell at well as well. And it was quite obvious that you did. So that offsets and, your disadvantage. Yep. And I, Used my nat 20 to get top of initiative. So, here we go. <laughs> Dice are going to tell the story, folks. A 10. All right. What, do you have I was damage? about to say, I can give you my nat 20 if you like. Uh, now, let's let the dice play this. I'm fine okay. with that. A 10. So, she doesn't put her weapon away or lower it entirely, but she kind of mulls over what you said. Uh, and then we'll get to her in a moment. Rowan, what are you doing? Oh, um, <clears throat> she's trying to... She's going to back up Glass on this one. My companion meant no harm. There was... a danger. I could feel it, and I believe that he felt it as well, and we wish to just stop everyone before anyone came to blows or anything struck. This is an ancient forest. You are well aware of its magics. There is something at play here. Okay. Uh, would you like to take any actions in particular? Um, so you're kind of, uh, you know, piling on with, with helping persuade her. Oh yeah, Paula. I'm going to have Paula go on minus one. <laughs> Um, Cloak is still held, isn't he? Uh, it looks like he's... It looks... Uh, no, you can see that he's starting to shake the effect off. I'm really sorry. Um, hmm? I'm going to hold... I'm going to hold person on Cloak. Oh, I'm, I'm going to roll this wisdom. Fuck! So, uh, <laughs> reminder there, McLoken, you're a gnome, so you have advantage on intelligence, wisdom, and charisma saving oh. throws against magic. So you get oh. to roll another die Damn, there. I, I, I forgot about that. Hold on, let's reroll yeah. this. Oh! Uh, that is oh. called gnome, gnome cunning, friends. All right, so he just shrugs off your spell, unfortunately. The Vila, at this point, snaps her eyes over to Rowan. And as she was listening, and she sees you cast a spell, presumably at nothing, and tilts her head and narrows her eyes. What is going on here? So that is her turn. She says, you say there is a threat. Clearly there is something here you are aware of that I am not. I know the Margrave and its secrets far deeper than any of you mortals. What is the meaning of this? Sisters! 
We have danger. And you hear movement from out in the uh, out in the woods. Um, cloak. That's your turn. Um, are the um uh, sisters visible now? Do they come out of they, like the woodwork? They are not. They are not visible. At this point in time, can I make one check? And that's if I launched this attack, um, would we be, um, I'm trying to think of, um, would we not be safe in the Margrave? Uh, okay, go ahead and make a, uh, intelligence, arcana, or nature check, and I'll give you advantage for your favorite enemy on that. And if you're proficient, you can double your proficiency bonus for favorite terrain. I can, okay. Uh, so this will be plus six to this, so an additional plus three to the roll. Yep. Uh, nat 20, so Oops, 26. All right, so also keeping in mind that you have a, uh, disadvantage on all ability checks. We'll go ahead and take the 16, though. So that's still okay. a 20, what? Uh, uh, 20, 22. Uh, still a 22. Um, okay. You think it is entirely possible that screwing with Baba Yaga uh, could dispose the forest against you. This is purportedly one of her many homes, but this is kind of where, yeah, there are many stories of her. This is where she lives. And you can feel that you're, for the moment, you are free of the uh, the compulsion spell. Yeah. But um, the Shadow Pearl is there, and it is still pouring its magic into the area. This is a tough decision, because right now, would would Cloak go out and start attacking? Uh, I mean, like, with the review, because, like, the knowledge he knows is that, like, a sister alone, we could take. But the, if the other sisters show up, we would be fucked. And then the the whole situation it depends. With the it Martin. depends on how many. One sister you could most assuredly take. Uh, a handful of them you can still probably take, although you're probably going to bleed for it. Um, you yeah. know, if if a pack of them show up, that might be real real bad. But mm. um, you, you can go ahead and make a uh, wisdom perception check with yeah. Uh, hang on. D does a uh, favorite enemy give you advantage on perception? I think it's just to track them. So oh, I'll go ahead yeah. and give it to you. Go, go ahead and make a straight up wisdom perception check. No disadvantage. I, I, this is this is a very hard decision. Uh, a straight up, straight up wisdom perception check. No advantage or disadvantage. <laughs> oh, uh, that would have been uh, oh straight up. Yeah, we'll, I'll we'll let you take the twelve again. if you want, or you can reroll. Yeah, I'll take the twelve. That's fine. I'll sure. take the lower. Than All right. Uh, so. You've lost track of where they are. You suspect they have hidden, uh, but you're pretty sure there are at least two other Vila out there. Those are the ones you definitely got kind of an auditory beat on. And the situation is that they're—it's uh, not looking good. Like they—they're already agitated. If there are three of them, you guys can probably take them. Uh, they are real nasty, though. Uh, it, now, it looks like, as far as the situation with this particular Vila, it seems like the other two are following her word or waiting for something overt to happen. And it looks like your friends have talked this one down, at least from immediate hostilities. Okay. Will um, they be able to talk their way around this completely? You'd have to wait and see. I am going to... You see Cloak, he's like literally shaking, holding his like sword, but he's like getting in position where he can uh, get like into her ribcage and he's just waiting and watching. And okay. he's sitting uh, there. 
All right, so Cloak just sort of quietly stalks through the uh, the clearing. His boots crush uh, moss and crackle leaves and snap sticks, and the 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 wood polished wood lady does not seem to notice him at all. She doesn't react to the sound of his footsteps. She doesn't look at him as he approaches and kind of levels his blade over his forearm toward her rib cage. Just kind of her eyes at this moment are flicking between Rowan. Tilly and Glass. So that's Cloak Riodan. Uh, at this point, are you are, are you holding off from uh, from any hostilities, Cloak? I uh, I'm reserving an action. If she attacks, I'm going to uh, attack at her. Okay. So if we're all just kind of in um, in standoff mode, I'm going to go ahead and say we can yeah. go out of initiative. Okay. If you guys are cool with that. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the tensions are very high. You can uh, you can feel it just sort of tightening the muscles between your shoulder blades, and uh, you can feel it pressing in on you in the air. The Vila, the the polished wood lady, flips her gaze between the three of you and says, "I'm waiting for an explanation. What threat is here that you can perceive and I cannot?" Yeah. What the hell? Everyone. Oh, by the way, while, while... <laughs> oh, perfect. Uh, Vintage. The next potion I imbibe enables me to breathe underwater. Sweet. Cool. That's cool. a good one. Good to know. Glass... Make a note of that because I will forget. <laughs> yep. Glass has scalding steam sprays violently from his spell's target point. So presumably well, we'll the next spell that. like. That glass cast. Uh, sure. Cloak, any damage against Cloak is rolled twice using the higher roll. <laughs> I have, I have wow. advantage on my next damage roll against Cloak. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Rowan, all weapons within 50 yards violent, steam violently on contact with water. Sweet. Okay. And cool, cool. Tilly, the next... Well, man. The next weapon to wound Tilly penalizes her AC by five. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got a I got a tank buster up my sleeve. That's good to know. Yeah. What have you done? <laughs> All right, oh, everybody, remember remember your pending wild magic surges. Uh, all right, so uh, yeah, it, it's kind of to you guys. You don't hear anything else from the sisters that are out in the forest, and the the one in front of you, um, she looks at that swirling darkness around her and says. Is this threat past? Can you cease I these, look... these I dark cloak. mists? What the hell um, is going on here? This smells of shadow, and I dislike it. I will actually, yeah, I can, I can go to the pearl because it's at my feet, uh, even though yeah. I'm under the compulsion. Um, I assume, I mean, is it my concentration to break it? I mean, how, it's a yeah. concentration. Yeah, spell, you, you have to concentrate so. on it, yeah. Yeah. So I break the concentration just... on I go All right. I go the the threat is no longer affected by this. They are, but is still present. This is not helping the situation. I'm looking at Cloak. This is not helping <laughs> the situation. Well, Cloak is dead doesn't even look, he's deadpanned at this. All right. Uh, so she visibly kind of sighs with relief as the the darkness swirls away from her back into the into the pearl, which is now like a, a little p 
pinpoint of ice in your hand and you drop it into its little container that you keep it in. Um, so she uh, lowers her weapon, lets go of the arrow, which kind of unwinds into these sort of green and brown tendrils and vines and just sort of vanishes in a puff of what looks like pollen in the wind. She oh. looks around and then looks back at Glaz and says, so you are telling me that this dark magic you brought into my home and surrounded me with, invaded my mind, was for my safety? It was. She, uh, she nods once and she says, your words ring true and that I am grateful, but this threat is still present. What is to be done? I honestly do not know. I dislike the thought that there is a foe about me that I cannot see. It is very disconcerting to me as well. Sisters, if anything befalls me, raise your song. You hear nothing in response. Hmm. To tea? Okay. So tea, is... I think someone mentioned tea. I'm still thirsty. This is all weird. Um, shall oh, we just, so you welcome know... welcome to tea with your mother. After... She... She narrows her eyes. Definitely want to meet your mom. That at that moment, that's when you see the fucking eye contact make glass when he says tea with your mother, and he just stares at him and then stares back at the the villa. That's it. That, that that's the only reaction you get. She uh, she's silent for a moment, and she says, "Yes." We will at the very least go and speak to my mother and see if she still wishes your company after this strange incident. I have no fear that whatever this threat may be, that it poses any danger to my mother. The Baba Yaga right. is not so easily threatened. And when she says that name, that ba -ba 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 -ba. strikes you all that strikes Excuse you me? all in the gut. All of you have heard tales of Baba Yaga, also known as grandmother, uh, a witch seemingly immortal, uh, travels anywhere in the world, uh, knows many secrets, uh, but is very difficult to uh, deal with. Sometimes she can give you exactly what you want or what you need. Sometimes she steals you in the middle of the night and cooks you into pies and eats you along with her children. Uh, it's said that there are kings and high priests and night lords who are uh, all vanished into her hut, never seen again. Excuse me, I think I... You said she's making some baba ganoush? It's, uh... She, right? uh... That's what you said. She just kind of rolls her eyes at Ryoden and says, If you would follow me then, we will go and speak to my mother and see if she still wishes to speak with you. Glaz, mom is Baba Yaga. <laughs> um... Why did no one tell me? We did not know until right now, but we don't fucking know. Oh, no. Once they turn around, I will look at the note. <laughs> All right, I, what was on the note? I probably again? figured it out a little bit. <laughs> but what was on the note again? 
Uh, this is Avila. Uh, she can't see me due to the ritual. And uh, Glass so, reads and looks at Cloak and goes, uh, what can I say that's not going to... Glass is just sort of nods at Cloak and goes, it's more dangerous to say no than to say yes at this point. It would be incredibly rude to refuse tea with such an esteemed woman. Wait a minute. Isn't, isn't, such a isn't knowledgeable she Cloak's woman. grandma? Isn't, does that make her... Is that Cloak's mum? <laughs> oh, sorry. The pollen is the time of the season that it gets in my throat. So she walks uh, a, a few steps away toward the kind of edge of the clearing and stops and uh, turns back to look at you. This just kind of statuesque, perfect posture. Uh, and kind of looks over her shoulder with a toss of her long moss-like hair and says, Well, are you coming? Yes. Yes, I am coming. I would love to potentially hear some of the knowledge that Baba Yaga is purported to know. She kind of nods once and then walks into the woods. And Glass follows. Because okay. Puff Puff I, I get on Puff Puff and follow Glass. Okay. You uh, slide up into Puff Puff's saddle. She'd kind of sidled up next to you during that uh, tense exchange and was just kind of waiting to see what happens. So, yeah. No problem. Paula, at this point, lets out a massive breath that she'd just been kind of holding for God knows how long at this point. And she looks at Tilly and she goes, what is going on? <laughs> I, I try to say no. I mean, I don't even like tea. I mean, I like tea food, but I don't like the actual tea, so I try to say no. But oh, All right. Well, we're going to lose them if we don't keep up. Let's go. And she uh, kind of grabs a hold of the mule's lead and heads off into the path to follow after Glaz and the Vila. Tilly will follow, but to ensure okay. that Rowan's behind her and not in front of her. All right. So uh, you follow the Vila who walks uh, easily and just really actually effortlessly through the forest. She just seems to glide through the underbrush. Uh, she never loses her footing. She never seems to uh, have any difficulty passing through brambles or brush. Uh, she occasionally takes note of the path she's taking and will avoid nasty, impassable terrain, sort of out of a courtesy for you guys, but she just seems to walk right through it. So, uh, after, I'd say, about an hour of traveling through the woods, uh, and each of you, I would say, every now and then, you catch maybe a little glimpse of movement off in the forest on one side or the other of you, or you hear just a faint um, a, you know, snap of a twig or rustle of underbrush. So apparently there are more uh, beings out there kind of shadowing your steps along the path, although they keep themselves fairly well hidden. Uh, after an hour or so, you come to another clearing, uh, and as you do, you can see that the tree line breaks open, uh, and it looks like there's sort of an overcast day, uh, just kind of this gray, wan sunlight shining down in the morning, and there's a 
curling blanket of thin mist creeping into the forest along the paths and over the gnarled roots of the trees seeping in from the clearing. The Vila walks straight through the tree line and into the clearing and kind of beckons you all to follow. Glass okay. keeps following. Okay. Uh, you head into the clearing and it is noticeably chill and there's a little bit of a kind of a, a cold moisture that hangs in the air despite the, uh, the, the early summer season. In front of you, the fog isn't thick enough to really obscure your vision. It's just enough to kind of fuzz things out just a little bit. You see a brown log hut or like a small roundish cabin with shingles of uh, hewn wood kind of haphazardly laid over one another. Uh, there's a front door whose frame is somewhat crooked, but the door fits into it snugly. There are a few windows uh, set on either side of the door that gives you the uncomfortable impression that the hut itself is looking at you with uh, this kind of gaping mouth. Here's the weird part about it. It is probably a good 15 feet up in the air hoisted up on these brown and orange spotted chicken legs. The yard around it is surrounded by a fence of uh, basically what look like sharp stick, sharpened sticks, uh, each one of them surmounted by a humanoid skull. The eyes of the skulls burn with faint greenish blue lights. And there are just sort of uh, discarded things in the yard. Looks like a, a rusty plow, um, a, a broken barrel, some some boxes, a, an overturned chest. That just kind of stuff, trash almost thrown in the yard. The vila walks up to the gate in the fence. There's a there's a little gate there, and she places her hand on it, and she looks up at the hut and smiles fondly and warmly, and she says, "Hello, hut." We have come in response to my mother's bidding. Would you please settle down to the ground and allow us entry? And uh, the chicken feet kind of scratch at the dusty ground and shuffle a little bit. And you can hear the logs of the home creaking and groaning as it settles down. The chicken legs kind of kneel and get swallowed up by the foundations of the hut. <laughs> And there's a faint rumble as it settles down to a little uh, set of stone steps that now lead to the door, whereas before they led to nothing. And she turns back to all of you, smiles, unlatches the gate, and pushes it open with a just kind of spine-tingling <laughs> that echoes throughout the clearing. And she waves her hand up toward the door and says, My mother awaits. Right. Well, um, you know, I just remembered I didn't get her anything, any flowers. I should probably go back to the Rowan. city. Rowan is there. putting her hand on Riordan's back and pushing him forward. Mm. <laughs> I'll, I'll she smiles. Great. She, she smiles and says, I'm certain that any gift that will be necessary for my mother you have indeed brought with you. Don't like that. What I say as I go in. <laughs> Glass walks right up with purpose. Okay. Oh. You uh, walk up the stone steps. They're not. Uh, it doesn't look like they're mortared. It just looks like it's like flat field stone, kind of stacked. But it's reasonably solid. It doesn't really wobble or or give under your feet. Um, it seems like it's been here for decades, maybe centuries. 
you head right up, and there's kind of a, a a wooden door that's not polished. It looks like it's smeared with tar and to make it waterproof, but it's old and weathered, and uh, thankfully not splintered. There's a a glass window with uh, kind of a cross frame, so four little panes of glass, but the glass is so grimy you can't see in. You can see that there's a flickering firelight from inside. And uh, now uh, that you guys are closer, you can see there's a stone chimney with smoke uh, just kind of merrily pouring out. So uh, everybody going in, Paula follows along with Tilly. And uh, she ties the, the mule to the fence with kind of a distasteful wrinkle of her nose at what appears to be a gnome skull driven onto one of the pikes. Rowan's going to let everyone else go in first. Ornamental. And and she's going to look at Cloak and Puff Puff as uh, everyone else is going in. And sort of give a, like, raise a feathered eyebrow. So, uh, anybody not going in? Let's try that. Cloak, are you kind of hanging back and waiting to see what everybody else does? Or... Yeah. Well, if Glass okay. is walking up with purpose, he's on Puff Puff walking with Puff Puff and hanging on. Okay, so you just basically follow right behind Glass? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the Vila smiles, reaches out, and strokes uh, Puff Puff's head and kind of scratches her under the chin. And she says, it's been a long time since I've seen one of your kind. Welcome in Sylvan. And uh, Puff Puff kind of gives her a, uh, like a nervous doggy smile. So you can tell her eyes are nervous. They're kind of showing whites and uh, her tongue Mm -hmm. lolls out and she kind of pants and her tail, which is tucked low, does kind of swish back and forth a little bit between her legs. But yeah, she's nervous as hell. Yeah. Uh, As as she's doing that, I'm like adding the the side of her neck, like calming Mm -hmm. her. The Vila's hand cloak passes right mm-hmm. over your thigh, like she strokes along the length of the dog and right over your leg. And you just stiffen as you can feel that touch. And then she turns back to look at the others expectantly. So everybody uh, everybody going inside. <laughs> yep. Okay. So after you all head in, she closes the gate behind you. And uh, waves up to the door and says, well, it's best not to keep her waiting, wouldn't you say? Of course not. We should, yes. Uh, is there any any, any uh, etiquette that we should know uh, in her presence to not offend be respectful. Uh, what uh, we, I have heard many names for Baba Yaga. Uh, what is her appropriate title? I'm... Like Baba. Like you can call her. A name? You can call her Baba Yaga. You can call her grandmother. Either will suffice. The, the, very good. Thank you. The, thank Our you. <laughs> So she smiles, oblivious to seemingly oblivious to Glaz's discomfort. Rowan's putting uh, her hand on Glaz's shoulder and just squeezing reassuringly. All right. Well, now you guys are Glaz. You are at the threshold in front of the door. 
I step through, gathering my courage and with purpose. So you just kind of open the door and take a deep breath and head in? Yes. Okay, no problem. There is a uh, kind of an old tarnished brass handle and you turn it and it gives a, a screechy, rusty, not a screechy click and the door swings inside. You head in. The rest of you follow. Nice. So, uh, looking at the uh, the walls of this uh, this hut, this cabin, as you as you make your way in, there's actually a little bit of a shudder that runs through it, as apparently the legs underneath it kind of shift their position into something more comfortable. So the floor kind of pitches underneath your feet as you step in, just slightly. As you step in, you step into a um, what looks like sort of a combination foyer and sitting room, and it is just filled with stuff. There's feathers and trinkets hanging from the rafters. There are shelves that are sort of uh, bowing in the middle, just packed with books, with bottles and jars, with all manner of strange fluids and things floating in them. There is a stone fireplace under... Well, wait, no. The chimney was over there. The stone fireplace is across the room. And now that you're looking, Glaz, uh, this room is way too big to fit in the hut you saw from the outside. Uh, there is a, a smell of baking pies with a little bit of a hint of roasting meat. There's a roaring fire in the, uh, in the stone fireplace, and there's an iron arm that has swung a kettle over the, the flames that looks to be merrily boiling away. Uh, there is an archway that leads into another room, kind of a ways down to your right, and it looks like it leads into a bedroom of some sort, and the, the bed in there is just piled with quilts and furs, and um, the foot of the bed is sort of dominated with stacked junk, uh, like old crockery and uh, and more jars. And you can see that that mountain of bric-a-brac is sort of engulfing what looks to be a chest or maybe like a footlocker, but it appears to be carved of emerald. And there's a soft greenish glow from inside. Oh. Visitors at last, welcome, welcome, one and all. Come in, come in, dears. Don't wait at the door. You're letting the heat out. And uh, from shuffling around a corner, just a kind of teetering stack of stuff near the fireplace, is this stooped, bent, wizened, old crone. Her hair is sort of... Uh, long and wild and white and gray in various patches. Her robe is this old burlap homespun thing that seems to be unraveling at the hems. And she has sort of a blue shawl wrapped around her head and her shoulders that looks like it was probably knitted uh, <laughs> centuries ago uh, and is barely holding together. Uh, she has a necklace of various small bones and uh, similar jewelry adorns her graying wrists. Her eyes are filmy yellow. There's no pupil, no iris, just this milky yellow sort of sheen behind her droopy lids. And she smiles underneath her impossibly long pointed nose, surmounted uh, somewhat comically by a little wart. Her teeth are black pitted 
iron fangs. You can see little bits of rust in between the teeth themselves. And she holds up her hand and crooks her fingers that end in these long claws at you and just sort of uh, beckons you in and says, come in, come in, yes. You finally arrived. Longer than expected, but perhaps not. <laughs> Loving this holiday. Tea for one and all, yes. Yes, please, Grandmother, we are most honored to have received your invitation for such auspicious company with you. Yes, yes, of course you are, Glazishin. Of course you are. Come in, come in and sit. So she goes over to the kettle and she pulls it off the fire and uh, she begins pouring boiling water into, uh, into a teapot. Rowan is making sure everyone's wiping wiping their feet or their shoes at the door and <laughs> when you do the uh, there's a stack of stuff nearby that kind of wobbles and clatters as the floorboards when you press on it and wipe your feet kind of bow underneath your steps yeah. <laughs> all right so uh she open she uh she takes the open lid of the teapot and uh, sets it aside and she goes into a uh, a sack a, a little like um a leather sack or pouch that's at her side. She reaches into it and she begins drawing things out and sprinkling them into the into the water. And she, uh... oh, yep. Oh, Glass, sort of stutteringly. <laughs> uh, I, I, I learned a little about tea ceremonies in in Bimia. I unfortunately was never often in, invited to them. Uh, I was the only trunk in there, and many people were. Uh, I was not invited to many. I, I often sat alone at lunch. He's just sort of babbling. Um, yes, and... yes, yes. Far from the north, strange. Strange. Your people. Yes. Interesting. But neither here nor there. All of you. And she kind of stops and squints and leans forward and sort of uh, with great effort, takes a couple of tottering steps closer towards you, and she kind of groans a little with the effort of it and rubs at her back and says, All of you, so very interesting. Come in and sit. Come and sit. Uh, Glass either finds a spot or sits on the floor if it's more like a low table type idea. He uh, just tries to Go with the flow. <laughs> sure. So you uh, you head over, and it looks like uh, toward kind of around a little corner and a half wall with a uh, kind of a rough carved column. Uh, there is, a, in fact, a table that is mostly clear and uh, several chairs arranged around it. Looks like uh, it's expecting you. Uh, arranged above the table is kind of a twine net that's tacked to the ceiling with these uh, copper... Uh, nails, and hanging in the net are these various colored glass globes, and they have faint lights sort of bobbing inside them. Not enough to really cast light around the the uh, the fire is doing most of that, but yeah, they just kind of they, they hang almost like a bizarre chandelier over the table. Oh, shinies! So glass, you head over the table. Yep, you, yeah, you all head over. Rio, you go to take a seat, and as you uh, you pull the seat out and settle in, your uh, armored weight 
creaks and groans uh the the, the chair creaks and groans in protest over the, uh, all of the the steel that you're wearing and so you kind of settle down a little gingerly to make sure you don't uh, have a mishap and as you do the chair scoots itself in comfortably bringing you to the table her, her, her. Oh, How tall is the nice. table? If you don't uh, the table looks, um, it's not super tall. Uh, it looks like it'll be comfortable uh, for medium-sized creatures. So dwarves and humans alike. Humanoids. Grandmother, uh, if, if you don't mind if I ask. Yes, what you yes, daughter of the north. Scourge of the seas and bearer of the silver raven. <laughs> what? And she begins tea. pouring tea, just in case. Would Would you be offended if I chose to stu- to stand? I sat most of the night. I got a little bit of creaky knees going. Stand if you like. So when you say that, the chair that was kind of next to you gives kind of this soft groan. <sighs> You're audible. welcome. You can you can hear it. Yeah. Very heavy. So uh, she brings the tray of teacups over, and the tea is very aromatic. You can smell it before she even gets over to you. Um, it definitely has a very floral smell to it, but also pretty earthy. Um, very strange smelling tea. And she uh, sort of sets the tray down and says, There is no sugar, no sugar, but honey. Honey, if you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, dears, yes. do any of you want honey? Yes, please. Uh, yes, I, please. I, I, I so she like... crooks she crooks her finger and a crock sort of jumps off the shelf and you can hear it like almost softly grunting with effort as it drags itself across the table and the lid pops off. Boom. Well, isn't that convenient? Well, thank you so yeah. much, uh, grandmother and... Uh, Mr. Croc, thank you. Where uh, are one... you going? Uh, she kind going of to... lets her roomy eyes just sort of sweep over all of you. And Cloak, you feel a prickle on your skin as her gaze seems to sweep through and past you. To, Where to are you the other forge? Mm-hmm. Of course you are. Been oh, there before. You bring. Can we look at Paula? It's beating heart with you. <laughs> Dangerous carrying such flames and embers through the old Margrave. You're either very brave, very stupid, or very desperate. I like all three. I'm very single. That's all I am. <laughs> Uh, so you all have your tea, uh, and there's a sudden sort of thumping from a box back near the uh, back near the fireplace, by which is an oven, and it kind of thumps and judders, and you can hear a faint, sort of high pitched cry from inside. <coughs> and grandmother just sort of ignores it, and she says. I think you forgot to prick the uh, steam holes in your pies. Oh, that was not from the oven, Rowan. It was from a box near the oven. Oh. <laughs> well, she thinks it's from the oven. Right, right. <laughs> uh, she, uh, 
she she uh, grins widely, and you can see some of the rust is rubbing off on her thin lips, and uh, and she just sort of cackles. Ah. <laughs> So interesting seeing all of you, seeing where you have tread, and what you have done, and what you are going to we are, do. We are a band of misfits, it would seem. Hmm. But misfits with purpose. I find that interesting and frightening. And her fingers kind of clench, and her nails dig into the surface of the table. <laughs> But for now, more interesting. I wonder if I might give you all tokens of my favor. And she uh, reaches into the, uh, she kind of reaches back into the, the box that was sort of mewling near the near the uh, oven, and you hear that cry. It's uh, it, it kind of raises up when the lid opens. It's sharp, it's screamy, it sounds maybe like a humanoid scream, but from a very, very small type person, like maybe childlike. And she reaches in, kind of, ah, and like swats something, and the screaming sort of stops with a yelp. And she pulls out a bone, closes the, uh, the the box and the bone has a fair bit of meat on it and she takes it over and she says oh what a lovely beast and she tosses the bone to puff puff Tilly, oh, we can't point. we shan't <laughs> leave her with an empty stomach shall we hmm? too rude too rude yes then tokens i offer you would you accept them I kind of only wear designer, um, but I'd consider it. I mean, I don't want to be rude. What? What? I mean, I don't. I don't really know. Honestly, I don't know what a token is. So Can she uh, she comes over to you and she reaches out and she reaches one finger towards your cheek. And assuming you don't pull away or try to swat her hand away or anything, she reaches forward oh, and she scratches the side of your face with her fingernails. There's a little bit of a stinging burn, and she loops her finger up, and you can see a single drop of your blood hanging from her nail. And she reaches forward, and you have a, a, a an amulet of Morena around your neck, I believe, right? Yes. It's kind of kind of like tucked behind your armor because you don't wear it openly in uh, in Zobek, at least. Correct, Do you wear it openly yeah. while you're traveling? Sure, that's it. Okay, so she takes it and she drops that drop of blood right on the center of your amulet. And the rest of you, you, kinda, you can't see it super well because it's down under your chin. The rest of you see his blood kind of run throughout the carvings of the amulet, and it starts to shimmer with this red light. And she's like, and she says, that will be appropriate for what you will require and what you do. Yes, very appropriate. And she kind of licks her, uh, her talon-like nail. Felt inappropriate but thank you <laughs> just how you like it isn't it ah you you know me <laughs> reputation catches up with me again it always one, does riordan it always will one might say you have done your research <sighs> 
Research. <laughs> no, that one does research. And she points at Glass. I, I do. Yes. I don't research. I know. And I tell the stories when I must, or when I have to, or when, when I can't not. She turns and reaches under a shelf and opens it up. And uh, has anyone tried the tea by any chance? Oh, Glass. Rowan is. Oh, yeah. Rowan is looking at it and trying to identify what's in it. Um. So it there's definitely some dried flower petals, things like bergamot. Um. There's probably some sort of actual tea leaves in there as well. But then also various dried mushrooms. It's difficult to uh, pin down what they are because it looks like they've been powdered. So you can't necessarily identify them. How's it taste? Ah, uh, like no tea you've ever had before, but it's not bad. It's uh, It kind of fills your mouth with its flavor and almost feels like it sort of coats everything. Um, and uh, again, it has floral notes. It has this sort of deep, rich earthiness to it. It's very strange. Very strange. So she's rummaging under a cabinet and starts kind of just throwing little bits and bobs like an old brass candlestick and a cracked plate. And, uh, and she says, the last time you traipsed through this forest, you slew a dragon. Yes, yes we did. a dragon of flame. It had such ambition, that one. If you hadn't stopped it, it would have grown so very powerful. But you slew it, and now its bones char to cinders in its home. <sighs> but grandmother stole its skin! And she pulls out a parcel from underneath the, uh, the cabinet, and brings it up, and sets it on the table, and pushes it over to Rowan. <laughs> you're going to die again if you're not careful, and that wouldn't do for any of us. Put it on, that you might live long enough to be of use. The, the dragon skin she's giving me? So uh, what you're seeing is basically just kind of a, a bundle of stuff wrapped in what looks like leather. Um, Rowan will unfold it and look at what it is. Okay, so you unfold it, and inside is what appears to be a, a reasonably heavy set of armor. Uh, it is made of... For You recognize the scales immediately. It's the same thing that Cloak's Mask is made out of. You see uh, a suit of armor made from flame dragon scales. Though it looks like they've been uh, manipulated and twisted in some way. And... Uh, it's definitely a heavier suit of armor than you might normally be comfortable wearing. It looks like it's probably more along the lines of half plate. But it is lighter than steel uh, and is pretty hot to the touch. Like like hot shower hot. Not burning, not super uncomfortable, but noticeably hot. And um, yeah, so it's mostly this coal black and then there's these veins of deep red glow like lava beneath a crusted volcanic rock surface. Um, and Grandmother just sort of putters around a little bit more. And as she does so, that shelf that the crock of honey 
jumped its way off of kind of pops and uh, a bunch of little things just go scattering off of it and kind of roll onto the floor and roll of their own accord just across the room. And Baba Yaga pays it no mind. This is an incredible boon you give to me. Uh, I must thank you, I suppose. You should. And she grins again, showing off her iron teeth. I am not used to such gifts. Tilly, she is sort of tromping her way by and stops and looks at you and kind of leans in close, uncomfortably close. And you can smell her breath. It smells like... um, It smells like fetid, wet swamp. Like if you took a shovel full at the bottom of a swamp and overturned it, it smells like that with uh, a little hint of fresh blood and old sausages. And it just sort of wafts across your face and it's warm and heavy. And she says, you carry something special with you. I can almost hear it. And she closes her eyes and tilts her head. Can you, can you hear it? Tilly stands taller. If you're talking about my great victories, and yes, I hear all the time. Your tales of great ledger conquered you don't, many. You don't listen well enough. You should listen harder. And she, like, reaches out and kind of flicks the, the handle of your hammer wherever it's slung. If it's maybe uh, across your back or hanging from your hip, wherever it is, she just kind of taps it. And then she turns... Uh, Glez, uh, Squall, while you were up, a bunch of bric-a-brac just jumped off the shelf where the honeycrock just sort of pulled itself off of and went scattering okay. across the room. And the things kind of rolled of their own accord just across the floor into the corners. It looks like they're kind of running away from Baba Yaga and scattering away from her into the corners of the room. And she didn't really pay it any attention. Do they seem to be running towards anything or just literally running away from her? These They seem to be running away from her. Like they're rolling under cabinets and into, into dusty corners. Looks like they're trying to find hiding places. Right. Um, I, I mean, I know there's a lot of general knowledge here. And this is where I got to try to separate my, cause I've, I've like read all these chapters like five times. Cause I love, I love her story. Um, I mean, would Glass know a little bit about her deals and deals people who don't fulfill their deals and things like that. I mean, there's all sorts of stories of her making bargains with people and often that not going well, but occasionally you hear about someone becoming, you know, fantastically wealthy or a great hero because of a boon she has given them. And you also have heard stories about Kings and Queens going missing or worse. People who might be turned into honey crocs and such. (laughs) Or chairs that are groaning underneath your butt right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, And you hear a soft tinkle of metal uh, as uh, it looks like there are no more things up on that shelf anymore. It's now completely clear except for some dust, old candle wax, and just nasty things that are crusted onto the wood and soaked into it. And rolling across the table towards you is a little ring. Hello there. Hello there. uh, It kind of rolls just on its side uh, across the the wood of the table. It kind of bounces on a couple of scratches, and it just drops right off the edge towards your lap. Uh, Does this seem to be as though Baba Yaga 
gave it to me or that this is something that ran towards me away from her and hard to say uh why don't you make a wisdom insight check with disadvantage okay come on buddy because he would be worried about stealing from her, but also very, so very curious. The question is, is whether I win or lose, what's what, which way, what's way the way that your glass is going to go? <laughs> that looks like a five. a five. You really can't tell. Uh, I would say it didn't look like she gave it to you, but she really hasn't paid any attention to anything that's moving or doing weird things in her hut every time they do it. Um, so it kind of has landed, it's sort of sitting in my lap. So you look, and it not only has landed in your lap, it actually, like, bounced into one of your belt pouches. I totally, Glass totally pretends like he didn't notice. Okay, cool. Uh, why don't you make me a charisma deception check? With oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Glass, you poor, poor, low charisma dude. <laughs> Uh, deception uh, at disadvantage. That's a, a seven. seven. Okay. All right. So, uh, anyone else doing anything as Baba Yaga sort of putters around her hut? Uh, I mean, I suppose. Uh, Puff Puff at this point is just with gusto tearing into the, uh, the joint of meat that uh, grandmother threw her. How big is that bone? I mean, uh, I mean, so it looks like it's been cut off um, at the side. It's it's a decent sized bone, definitely some sort of femur. Okay. Gnome leg sized, not not, not a gnome size. No, definitely definitely okay. bigger than a gnome. Yeah. Okay. Oh. So, does Baba Yaga keep coming around with trinkets, or is she done? Uh, no, she just sort of is puttering around right now, and. Uh, <laughs> and uh, stops and looks over her shoulder at you. And she says, So, you accept my tokens. I'm sorry, you told, her... you told me to listen to something. I don't understand the token there. But I will she buy them. Kind of, she just kind of shrugs and says, There is a creature in the woods. I do not like it. I believe it is the servant of the master of Demon Mountain. It has come to spy and come to steal and come to trick. Find this fiend and slay it. And the tokens are yours. Glaz, when she says steal with that, goes, a ring hopped off the shelf and rolled into my pocket. Um, was that my trinket, or was that something trying to? I don't. I. I don't. You don't. You don't seem like you like stealing, and I don't want to offend you. She just kind of ignores you, and she says, "You'll find this fiend to the west of your destination: the halls, the Everforge, the endless forge. Once your business is done there, you should find it. You should kill it." Send it back to the hells. Is this kind of a, uh, we should do that as in a, you know, I really ought to get a new pair of boots next week kind of thing. Or is this a, if you don't do you this, 
Yes, there's going to be icky, sticky consequences. Not the kind of, not the good kind. She, she kind of uh, just stares at you quietly for a moment and tilts her head the other way and says, Do you gamble, half vampire? <laughs> I have done in the gamble. past. Little bit, little bit. Then perhaps you could test your luck. Hmm. I'll All help right. you with this creature that you speak of if you'll let me have whatever living creature is in that box over there. She, uh, her eyes kind of widen at that, and she she looks over at the at the box and looks back at you, and she kind of shrugs, and you hear her shoulder pop. She says. Done. She lifts up the box again and it creaks. She reaches in and rummages and you hear another and she pulls out a uh, a kind of stout burlap sack and it looks like it's stitched up at the opening. It's stitched closed and it's wiggling, kind of struggling and giving these faint cries. Then you will kill the fiend as I have asked in exchange for my wonderful gifts. Yes? Well, we are some form of fiend slayers now, it must be said. So Puff Puff at this point has finished the meat and is just kind of gnawing on the bone delightedly. All trace of her nervousness is gone. And she looks up, uh, licking her chops, and she says in a soft voice, I think we probably should go ahead and do what Grandmother asks. Seems dangerous not to, and she's been so nice to us. Uh, um, Puff is saying that. I, yeah, Puff Puff said that. Okay, so in Sylvan? Uh, that was in common. In trade tongue. And uh, I, so... I agree, Puff uh, Puff. After that, uh, Baba Yaga kind of claps her hands together and says, Oh, delightful, it worked. It's been so long since I've seen one of her kind. Yes. Uh, well, I'm very uncomfortable. <laughs> what is a few more fiends? Only okay. one. The rest oh, are yours. Only one. Well, what manner of fiend might this be? Mm. Has it She's kind of. She form? looks up and Has squints. I know where it travels through hollows and tracks to the west of the Everforge. Not quite. To the mines of silver. It will soon, though. It seeks flesh and souls, and will find scant few of those in the depths of the Margrave. Glad much thinks, more enthusiastic. Thinks to hunt in my backyard, and I shall not have that. After all the research Glaz did, and she says that it's searching for souls, mm -hmm. Glaz once again, now again with purpose. Yes, I do think we will go take care of this for you. 
Grand. Wonderful. Then finish your tea and be gone. Rowan's going to. Uh, she's just been absent mindedly fiddling with the bones in her pouch. Mm-hmm. And is just going to take a, take a few of them and roll them on the table and she is asking asked. what. Hmm? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. She's, she's asking what manner of creature they are being asked to hunt. Okay, so you toss the knuckle bones onto the table and they clatter and sort of bounce and they sort of spin a little bit and then they just keep spinning. They never come to a stop. And they're clattering and knocking into each other. And as they as they clack and squeak and, and tap on the table, Grandmother actually begins to caper and dance a little as if she's just sort of staring off into space. The runes, they sing so sweet. Normally. Grandma's <laughs> when you die. So... I suppose you are not unfamiliar with such magic, Grandmother. She's completely ignoring you and just sort of dancing and now kind of like warbling this discordant song that actually makes your teeth vibrate in your jaws as she sings. Wait, my, makes my beak vibrate? Well, your, your, your beak begins to ache and feels almost like it's pulling apart. Like you, the halves halves of your beak are trying to split as she sings. Mm-hmm. Quick, quick questions: Do I sure. hear any ley lines while I'm in here? Is there any song of the ley lines um, while I'm here? Uh, I would say your your reach is what a mile with your uh, a mile, with your ability. Yeah. You don't hear any ley lines, but you know you're getting close to the Everforge line. Everforged Leyline. Okay, so just if it, for some reason, if we were someplace like totally different, if I was hearing a new so Leyline. As, no, but as you listen, you do hear something. You hear a voice whisper, We should go. Okay. Um, I, grandmother? Uh, Rowan, have have you picked up the runes? Yeah, Rowan is snatching the bones up off the table and is shoving them back into a pouch and is uh, standing up very quickly. So uh, as you grab the, the, the rune bones, and it's actually a little difficult because they kind of dance and skip out of your grasp. You have to chase them a little bit around the table. Uh, and they're even jumping in your hand against your palm. And uh, they don't seem to really settle down until you get them back in their pouch. And as you grab each one, she starts to kind of give up more and more on her little maddened caper. And she, uh, she stops and sort of settles and sighs and stares into the fire and turns around back to Glass. What is it? Mistress of Secrets, I would like to parlay with you. Have we not already had a wonderful afternoon with friendly conversation and gifts exchanged for promises of service? Yes, indeed. And I have another gift. Her uh, her eyes sort of uh, widen a little bit. A gift, then? What do you yes. bring, Glazishin? I take out a 
crystal vial. Ooh. What is it's rich in the new in maroon color? It is a memory filter of youthful joy. Ooh. Interesting. Back from year one. And for grandmother, I think that might have some interest. It is interesting. All right. So she looks at that and she kind of licks her lips and says, clever boy, clever, clever, clever boy. What is it you wish to trade for? Knowledge. And Mm. I know that your knowledge is vast and very valuable, so I would not ask for more than you are willing to give or trade for this vial. I seek pages of the Nullifier's lexicon. She sucks in her breath through her teeth. (sighs) How very interesting. How very, very interesting. (laughs) Yes, I know where they are. And for that joy... I will let you take some of the secret with you. It is yours. She, like, in a second, she is across the room, kind of in your face, and snatches it out of your hands. It's like uh, it's like a horror movie where the ghost is across the room in the shadows in one second, and then in your face the next, between blinks. Uh, the rest of you kind of see her... You can't even really parse what your eyes just showed you. It's very strange. It's almost like she's been right up next to Glass, purring in his ear the whole time. And she wraps her fingers around it and uh, and takes it, and her uh, nails start to click discordantly against the, the crystal. And she... Good. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Go. Go then. Take your secrets. Yes, ma'am. All right. So she. Uh, I'm assuming that she'll deliver them in some way. He's not going to press. He's assuming that she's good to her. You feel a like a weight at your belt, and that belt pouch feels heavy. Uh, I thank you, grandmother, for this boon. She we, kind we of turns her back on you and ignores you. Yeah. We should go. Yes, we should go. <laughs> Mingling her bag. All right. Uh, grandmother this entire time has completely ignored Paula, and Paula has returned the favor. <laughs> she's just kind of kept her eyes down, and she sipped her tea, and hasn't even gotten through half a cup, and just shut up and let you guys do whatever it is you're doing. Uh, I don't know if you guys would like to have a look at the grandmother... There she is. She is so cool. The teeth are alive, everyone. The teeth are alive. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So, everyone leave the house. Yeah. So, like, as everyone leaves one by one, like, literally cloak the whole time. Like, is there a fire going? Oh, there's a fire going, yeah. 
Yeah, so like Cloak would have been like angled, like uh, where he's been on Puff Puff's back the whole time, but he's just been staring. And no matter where uh, Baba Yaga went, he was staring. And all you could see is like the fire getting reflected on his mask, and then the fire in his eyes even more intense as he just stares and just studies. Uh, so yeah, uh, this entire time, Cloak, uh, you've been sort of vibrating with barely contained rage, and all of that was frosted over with this icy terror that, try as you might, you couldn't really put out of your mind, because you've just been watching her for this entire little, little exchange, the, the object of your entire people's doom, shuffling around like a crazy old woman offering your friends gifts and demanding services in exchange. Yeah. Everybody makes their way out. And uh, Puff yeah. Puff starts heading for the door. Rowan is okay. ushering everyone out quickly and keeping an eye right. on Cloak to make sure he's coming out as well. Yep. Cloak, uh, as far as I know, Cloak leaves the hut. Yeah. I'm not fucking staying in there. Are you crazy? No. <laughs> I'm, I, like, my anxiety level's been high this whole time because I was like, I'm waiting for it to be like, we're all leaving, and then all of a sudden the door shuts in front of Puff Puff, and I'm being like, fuck! <laughs> like, <laughs> All right. So you all head out. Uh, the the Vila is still waiting at the gate. She opens it for you, Glaz, as you, uh, as you leave. Thank you very much for this amazing invitation and opportunity for us. I'm so glad she was still willing to speak with you. All things considered. Me as well. You should go now. Back on your way. And she points. That is your path. Thank you for your hospitality. And do thank your dear mother. Great tea. She just kind of nods at, uh, at all of you. And she, uh, once you're all outside of the yard, she closes the gate and she walks off in a different direction toward the woods. The hut gives a shudder and a creaking groan and it shifts and <laughs> raises back up into the air as the chicken legs stretch themselves out again. And they kind of dance back and forth, flexing their, their clawed toes and pinching at the dust, scratching at it. The bag the I assume just is still waggling, wiggling, making noise. Oh yeah, the bag, is, the bag is waggling and wiggling. It's pretty quiet at the moment, but it is waggling. Yeah. Rowan just lets out a huge breath and it feels like she's been holding the entire time. Mm-hmm. That could have gone very badly. Didn't feel like it went great. What the hell? What is any of this? And why didn't she see Cloak? Because I don't think I've read the note yet. She probably get further away from her home before we discuss I, our situation. I, you know. She also seems to have ears everywhere. But yes, we should at least get a little further away. Those... To the Everforge. 
must. Yes, work. perhaps. I don't know what kind of protection. Who knows? Who knows where we can speak openly? But she did not ever seem. She knew more about us, but did not knew about our adventures, but not even the part our friend took in it. He's not even using Cloak's name at this point. Terrified, kind of scared. Uh, Tell you, ask Paula. I, do you know your way to the forge from here? Uh, Paula, kind of stares dumbly for a moment, blinks and, and shakes herself back to her senses and looks around and says, I, I want to get away from this yard, if you don't mind, but I'm, we'll see. So she turns and I'm follows sorry, the we, direction that Sophila pointed. I'm sorry we dragged you into this. She, she kind of like spreads her hands helplessly and is like, well, I don't know that you had much to do with it. What else, what else were you going to do? Let's let's get out of here, all right? And she kind of tugs the mule and <laughs> heads for the tree line. Yes, let's. Follow. Okay. So for the rest of the day, you're all still going to be affected by the Dance of the Luckless. Uh, so keep in mind your disadvantage on ability checks. So if uh, you know that you're only a couple hours away from the... Uh, from the halls of Everforge. And once you get away from the hut clearing in the direction that the Vila pointed, you're able to pick out some landmarks and both Paula and Cloak are able to get you guys back on the track, uh, back on the right path toward the halls, no problem. <clears throat> so she sort of points and says, it's, uh, well, at the pace we've been making with uh, Cloak blazing our trail. And she kind of looks over at Puff Puff and Cloak and just shakes her head, says, uh, we're, we're only a few hours away. Cloak doesn't say anything. Okay. Glass is going to reach into his pocket where the ring hopped into. Okay. So you reach and into the pouch, and there is indeed a little gold ring in there. And Glass in his normal sort of, uh, you know, academic ways, just like, now what in the world are you? And starts looking for inscriptions or anything like that. I'm sorry, it's not uh, it's not gold, it's silver. Okay, silver ring. Uh, it's, it's very cold. There's no, uh, like, ornaments or any sort of etching or anything on it. It's just a, a plain silver band. And it has these weird little bits of... Um, like tarnish, you know, when uh, when a, a ring will get uh, when silver ages and uh, and isn't kept uh, kept perfectly clean, uh, it gets that sort of dark black kind of smearing on it. It has a few spots like that. Huh. So it looks like a very old, not particularly, um, you know, not not particularly noteworthy, like an antique silver band, uh, but it is icy cold to the touch. Interesting. So, I, I guess, I mean, Glass being trained in Arcana, does he know that that's not just natural coldness? It seems very likely to be magical in some way, especially since it was moving of its own accord and, you know, yeah. <laughs> all the other things that have been going on. So you're holding it in your hand, and, uh, and you hear that whisper again. Hello. Glass looks over his shoulder... You and get the distinct impression that the whisper came from the ring. Yeah. Um. Uh, I was 
kind of talking uh, a little bit rhetorically when I asked who you, what you were. Um, but hello, how are how are you? You seem cold. So everybody, Glez starts talking uh, to the ring in his hand. <laughs> uh, are you are you okay, Kazashan? The ring uh, gives, you can feel almost like this little bit of a twinge in the metal uh, in your palm. And it says, thank you for bringing me out of there. I have been there for so very long. I'm surprised, Grandmother. I'm surprised Grandmother let me go. I don't suspect that I fooled her. I don't, I'm not very good at lying. I don't think we fooled her either. Uh, But I think you bought me. Uh, I so think apparently, you. yes. If, to, if we kill a demon, then she isn't going to come take us you back. I don't think. Um, what is your name? I am Glass. There's a, there's this kind of deep sigh. <sighs> it's been so long; I don't remember. Oh, well, that is a shame. Yeah, there's this kind of to... this uh, like a, like a sad twinge to the voice. We will have to come up with something then. Uh, perhaps we, we know each other a little better. Uh, it I is nice I'm to meet that. you. It is nice to meet you. He sort of puts his, like, sort of because he has sort of like the big, thick things. And almost like as though he was shaking his hand, but putting his hand sort of, you know, through the kind of like, as though, because Glass is Glass. He's like going to shake his hand. How so are, are, you actually, shaking? are you actually Are you actually putting the ring on or just kind of doing the little shaking motion? I do the shaking motion first because Glass then goes, I do not want to be forged. Uh, is it all, should I wear you? Should I get a chain around the neck or just in the pouch? What do you prefer? Mm, well, I, my purpose is to adorn your finger. That seems best. Okay. Uh, and he puts it on. <laughs> so you put it on and it fits perfectly. It's cold, a um, little uncomfortable, but after a while you start to get used to it and it doesn't really no, seem to, to bother you. It is very funny. Normally rings do not fit my fingers very well because they are kind of, you know, nubby and I've got big knuckles, but they fit that's nice. It's very nice. You're quite well, handsome. Nice. I'm glad. Thank you. Perhaps when we uh, get your, to where uh, you're going in. Your, your friends are staring at you strangely. Oh, I look up. Oh, uh, <laughs> hi. Um, I... Were we talking to what? Uh, was it the tea? I didn't drink any of the tea. Was it the tea? I knew not to drink it. I knew she'd do something to it. I had I the tea. I don't think it was the tea. <laughs> you would know. You would know. Real? That was it. Drugged? Not as far as you no. can tell. No spice at all. No flavor, actually. Really. When I said good tea, I mean it was just tea. It wasn't you know? <laughs> so oh, what are you talking about? Uh, the ring the, from Baba Yaga's house. It. Oh, the, the, the ring is really close and like. I don't. The ring is talking to you. Uh, can you say hello, ring? You wish me to speak to your friends. Uh, if you would like, uh, they kind of think I'm a little crazy now, but if that's kind of. Part for the course, so I it's would, not a I big deal. Say it's it's no no stranger than your typical behavior. Pretty much. 
All right, so there is a sort of soft, tinny voice that emanates from Glass's hand, and it says, Hello, friends of Glass. Hello. I, I apologize for I apologize for being rude, but I, I don't think I have a name. Great. We're going to work on it. We will workshop it. I feel like I must have at one time, but it's been so long. So many things forget their purpose and their past in grandmother's house. Hmm. Well, perhaps we right. can help you with that. I would like that. Except, I suppose you were once, well, not necessarily human, but not a ring. That seems likely. Well, we could call you Ringo. Quiet. <laughs> hmm. If you insist, but I don't think I like it. We will work on it, I think. Uh, you're not the only one. Don't worry. You're kind of the last one. Um, Paula, Paula at this point kind of runs a hand over her face and says, can we, can we get going? I mean, if you guys want to talk to your jewelry, we can do it on the way. That's what I was thinking. already leading the way. Okay. (laughs) Cloak has not paid attention to anyone. He's just been going forward. Okay. So you guys will have to hustle a little bit to catch up with Cloak, but you you can't. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so you make your way uh, trekking through the woods. You guys can continue to talk or discuss if you want, but it'll take you about a two, three-hour trip to return to the halls of Everforge. I'm thinking that your your new sword, uh, if Cloak's up ahead, I don't know if he's listening to me or ignoring me, but it, it probably makes sense to, to get you a new sword before we go fight a demon. So, and seeing as it's a bit further on, yeah. wasn't that what she said? You are going to go fight a demon. I'm not going. I didn't make a deal with Baba Yaga. Oh. Oh, 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 okay. Then I, oh, okay. It wasn't really a deal, was it? It was more of a, you know, hey, here's my gifts. By the way, you're going to pay me for them. (laughs) As they talk about the deal and gifts, Tilly's going to start kind of opening the bag. All right, so you kind of uh, rip the stitches out or take a dagger and cut them loose. You look mm-hmm. inside, and as you start to open it, it starts thrashing and wiggling again, and inside is a little lamb. Oh, well, and she'll just kind of set it on the ground. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just a paw. Uh, mm-hmm. So the, uh, the, the lamb will kind of shake and shuffle from inside the sack and will occasionally it will eventually sort of wiggle its way out and uh, just start walking around on the uh, on the trail and then bleats a little bit alright well I guess we'll uh, take her with us I, sup- I suppose that you pick the lamb up under one arm Paula kind of shrugs if I you mean, like I thought, I thought it was a human but I guess not <laughs> I'm not listening very well, like she said, I suppose. <laughs> no, it, it sounded like a child, like crying. Definitely. Yeah. The crying of the lambs, Clarice. <laughs> 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 it tasted like fresca and fava beans. <laughs> fresca and fava beans. All right. So, um, 
yeah, uh, the rest of the trip is essentially uneventful, just whatever discourse you guys might want to have. Uh, Cloak, I think, is very um, all business, just heading, heading on out. And you guys come to the hillside that has kind of a light clearing, not really a full clearing. The trees just sort of thin out a little bit. And uh, you can see the ancient stone plinths that mark the entrance into the halls of Everforge. Um, for those of you who haven't been here before, it's just a, a post and lintel entrance, maybe, um, how, how wide was it? Like 20 feet? It was huge, if I recall correctly. Uh, massive worked stone hallway that drives back into the, uh, the hillside. Yeah, it's 20 feet wide. And dwarven runes carved on the lintel proclaim it as the halls of Everforge, which Tilly, of course, you can read. Um, possibly also Rowan. I don't remember if you speak Dwarvish. Uh, inside, there I'm are... Curious. You can see some stone doors as well as massive uh, stone carvings of armored figures holding various weapons kind of up against the walls. They're not really full statues. They're almost like massive bas-reliefs uh, carved onto the wall, if that makes sense. And uh, so Paula comes forward and uh, takes a deep breath and looks over the entrance with uh, sort of um, a difficult to read expression, but she looks back at you all and says, well, we're ready to do this then. I am. All right. So uh, mind the traps toward the double doors up by the forge. You remember those, right? Oh, I remember. Traps? Yeah. All right. Yeah, most of the hallway is safe. Just uh, don't don't run ahead of me. And she starts into the uh, into the wide hallway. Uh, it's all masterfully worked stone. Uh, the horse, the uh, the mules' hooves clatter and echo, uh, and it seems a little bit nervous going in here, but follows along with no real trouble. Uh, and as you head down toward the end of the hallway, you pass six doors on either side of the uh, three on either side of the hall, and uh, about a dozen, maybe a few more of these statues, and they seem to be showcasing various different styles of weapons and armor. And they, uh, they're they dwarven figures, but they're massive. They're probably 10 feet tall. Uh, so as you guys get to the end, uh, in the last 20 feet or so, Paula holds up her hand and says, there are uh, pressure plates here, some of you probably remember. And the massive double doors at the end of the hallway are still standing open, as they were when you left them. Uh, and that leads into a huge chamber, and you can see with your dark vision and the like um, a, uh, a large ascending platform, almost like a ziggurat of stairs that goes up to a, to a, a great flat area. You can't really see Is what's going on. Is there still a dead bear in there? You get close, and you can, in fact, see the remains of a dead bear. Oh, yes. Uh, it seems that the forest scavengers have uh, have been at the carcass and have picked it pretty well clean. Um, the There are probably still some, like, scraps of nasty fur and the like, uh, but most of it has been picked clean or rotted away at this point, and the skeleton is mostly disarticulated, pulled apart by scavengers. But it's still kind of in that same area near the front door inside that big mm -hmm. hall in that big chamber. Uh, so Paula goes over to one of the sconces, and there are these iron torch sconces all along the walls, but they've all been cold and dark. She finds one of them and messes with it, and you hear a soft click. And then from a couple places in the hallway, you hear echoes. 
and she nods and says, all right, the, the traps are safe. We can just walk on through now. Uh, yeah, and Glass will start pulling out the, the heart of flame so that it's ready. Okay. His lantern. So, he doesn't get it out, but get the sure. the lantern. You pull out the uh, yeah the shuttered iron lantern. You head into this room, and this room is massive. Uh, this is most definitely the heart of this place, and it is a huge forge. In the four corners of the room are massive anvils, and up on the top of this ziggurat of stairs leading up to a dais is a almost like it looks sort of like a low altar. Um, and uh, Paula starts heading up that way. In the exact corners of the room, near those giant anvils, are massive stone, uh, what look like water barrels. And there's also doors. <laughs> there, are, there are doors in the east and west walls. So Paula heads up toward the top of that, uh, that ascending platform and sort of beckons Glass to come up. Yeah, Glass follows, and I guess pretty much, I mean, it's familiar. This is where he got the Heart of Flame from, where it sort of goes sure back into. So uh, where, is, open uh, where, is every, where is everybody else at this point as they, they ascend the platform? Uh, Rowan is just going up there, too. Okay. Rowan's just uh, standing at the bottom, just looking at all of this with awe. Oh, there's also human remains in here. Uh, several sets of human oh. and smaller and smaller humanoid remains as well. Yeah, so there's Kobe. all kinds of bones picked clean in this place. A lot of death happened here. Uh, I think Kelly will be at the base of the stairs of the platform, but okay. not go up with them. Cool. I can show uh, you guys around if you want. I'll say to Rowan and Tilly. Was here last time, but I'm on vacation. You know, so. A guided tour, perhaps? Sure. Sounds good. Okay. Uh, so, up on the up on the dais, the, the, what appeared to be an altar or a uh, platform or, or plinth, that's the, or, you know, a beer, that sort of thing, is actually a furnace. It's a, it's a forge. There's a great ringed stone wall with uh, ash and uh, charcoal and you know, Coke, basically, just packed in there. Um, and Paula points toward the toward the furnace and says, "All right, let's uh, let's return the heart, and I'll I'll bring the forge. I'll bring the forge back to life for as long as we need it." Uh, I mean, I, I right. put it. Yeah, I know. I put it there and, and you know, basically place the heart back, uh, okay. heart flame back so in, you, uh, in the forge. Yeah, you basically open the lantern and kind of pour the blue flame back into the into the furnace, and it just rolls out of it this this living blue fire, and it uh, it burns in a little sort of uh, palm sized sphere of flame in the dead center of it. And uh, Paula says, "You might want to step back. This will take just a few minutes." Of course, uh, yes. I, I, you, this is yours, your, 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 your expertise. I yes, I was hiding so in the she, barrel yeah. last time. <laughs> she uh, she stands in front of the furnace, kind of looks around at all of the the four different anvils arranged around the room, and she begins uh, reciting basically a prayer or a sort of an honor to her ancestors in dwarvish, and then she turns back to the forge and begins to chant. Um, Tilly, you can understand it. It sounds, it sounds very much like a like a sort of ancestral 
Um, there's definitely magic to it, um, but it's it's very much like a prayer. And uh, so after a few minutes of her intoning, you can see that this flame begins to intensify uh, in the middle of the furnace, and it begins to grow brighter and brighter and larger and larger. And that blue color gives way to first this dull sort of sooty orange, and then uh, then it gets brighter and brighter until it explodes with a roar, like a blast furnace, into this towering inferno of nearly white flame. And as it does, all of the torch torch sconces down the main hallway flicker to life, bathing the entire interior, every, everywhere that you can see with an open door, in uh, at least in the this main chamber and then the long entrance hall in this warm torchlight. Uh, the heat that rolls out from the furnace and fills this room is tremendous. It prickles your skin and uh, causes you to, to kind of lift your hands to shield your face. Um, those of you who maybe have worked around a forge might be a little more uh, accustomed to it, but uh, it's it's intense. Glaz, you are uh, supremely uncomfortable. <laughs> oh yeah, Tolkien do not like the fire. Right. Uh, uh, Rowan's a bit uncomfortable as well. He's just stirring right. up some memories for her. Okay. Uh, so uh, I'm trying to help Paula the best I can. Yep. She looks over toward Cloak and waves you forward, and uh, she starts breaking out her smith's tools. So uh, she's going to probably spend likely a couple of days, essentially, uh, working and uh, and preparing your sword to accept the magic. She has a lot of accoutrements that she's already put together. Uh, it looks like she's brought uh, various fluxes. Um, it, she has uh, special water specifically for quenching the blade after she begins tempering it. Uh, she... Uh, yeah, she spends. It, she she'll take your assistance as well uh, if you offer to help her. Um, it's very yeah. uncomfortable up there, right next to the forge. But as uncomfortable as it is, and you get the feeling that it just desperately wants to consume everything. It just wants mm -hmm. to burn absolutely everything. But it never uh, gets to the point that you can't stand it. You can always you can always be around it if you can screw your courage up enough. Um, so it, mm -hmm. it's a, a strange juxtaposition of the intensity and the lack of actual harm that this heat is doing. Uh, but, so you spend probably uh, we'll say a couple of days. What are the rest of you doing during the two-day span while Paula and Cloak are enchanting this blade? Um, it's possible Rowan might be either wandering the forge or wandering the forest nearby the forge. Okay. I'm very uncomfortable around this fire at the moment, and yeah. Are you going to put on the suit of armor that a yes. grandmother gave you? Okay. Uh, so, once you have it all said and done and put on, it is in fact a set of flame dragon scale half plate. So it has the, the statistics of half plate, but does not impose disadvantage on stealth checks, and it has the, uh, the magic item properties of dragon scale. Sweet. Uh, the, the main thing there is, uh, you know, the armor class it gives you, which is 15 uh, plus your dexterity modifier, but I believe it also has a plus one enchantment. So 16 plus your dexterity modifier um, is your base armor class while wearing it. It requires attunement. Uh, and while attuned to it, you are resistant to fire damage. And uh, you have some benefits against, like, dragon breath <laughs> and the like. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 
So you, you can you can look that up and see the exact effects as you like. Uh, Riodan, over the course of the uh, the couple mm. of days that this has been going on, you remember that? Oh yeah, I have a scab on my cheek. That, that crazy right? Old yeah, I was going to ask about that. My necklace. Yeah. Uh, as you've been going along, you can feel your holy symbol throbbing in time with your heartbeat. Ooh. Yeah, right. just very faint, very faint. And mostly just like when you put your fingertips on it, you can feel it, hmm. it pulsing. And so um, over time, you can attune to this if you like. It does require attunement. So I don't know if okay. you have a bunch of other attunement slots or whatever. So uh, uh, yeah. you can feel this thing. Um, basically, it somehow manages to tap into your blood and becomes this wellspring of life force. Hmm. Uh, you know that uh, your your wounds will recover very swiftly, and death has loosened its grip on you. This is a perioptive wound closure. So at the start of your turn, if you are dying, you automatically stabilize. And when you spend hit dice uh, during a short rest, I believe you get double the result. Or it might so, be maximum. You have to check on that. A perioptive what, sorry? Wound closure. Wound closure. I'll look that up. Yep. Huh. It's in D and D Beyond. They're awesome. They are super awesome. That is very uh, exciting. I I like the grandma. <laughs> I'll say <laughs> <laughs> she's all right. All right, uh, Tilly. What are you doing uh, through most of this time? Uh, I feel like Tilly during this time has been uh, tending her new flock and uh, bringing bringing refreshments and stuff to those who are working the forge okay. uh, since they can't really are you, are you exploring the hold at all um i think out of general curiosity she would explore a little bit but not far enough to be away from them without a viewing or a hearing distance of too too much just out of protection so, because she I mean, nobody could come in you know Sure. So it's not super far, even in the farthest rooms. So it's like I don't know. Sure, but I mean, given the given the heavy heavy hand of dwarven nature here, she of course wants farthest to find the it. farthest away is like a hundred feet. That's it's oh, like hundred yeah, yeah, feet yeah. from the from the door of the forge chamber. I assume those like different like yeah. rooms and chambers. Oh, there are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There there are definitely rooms and chambers. But if you're going to spend you know a little time now and then poking around, you can basically see pretty much everything. Um, Paula yeah. will warn you guys not to go into the room uh, that you guys snuck into when you first assaulted the dragon, if you remember. So if you're in the uh, in the forge chamber, it's the door to the west, to the left. Mm -hmm. She's telling you not to go in there because there are guardians, and she doesn't know how you managed to not trigger them when you first came through. But you were very lucky. Very, very sneaky. Spoiler alert, those, uh, those pristine longswords and the plate armor were all animated. <laughs> And if yep. you had disturbed them, they would have all attacked. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, most of the most of the hold is pretty abandoned. Like clearly, this place used to be a kitchen, and there's an oven that still seems to use some runes to draw upon the power of the heart of uh, of flame and the forge to to work it. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of rooms that are just full of rubble and detritus. There's some where it looks like there was a pitched battle, and there's a bunch of those scattered human remains. And uh, and what what are you managed to pin down our cobalt remains? Um, one room has uh, 
a low dais with a couple of steps leading up to it and two carved stone thrones. And uh, around, painted around the room, uh, painted and carved, is a mural of uh, dwarven lords and, uh, and, and ladies forging resplendent weapons and offering them in, uh, in tribute to guests, people who came from far and wide to the halls to receive these wonderful uh, creations. And when you step in, it has uh, just sort of this solemn feel that the rest of the place kind of lacks. The rest of it feels very much like a ruin, very abandoned. This place feels important. Is there anything telling of the thrones? Like any details or...? Um, so you go up, uh, it looks like they have some ornamental carving. Um, uh, this room is startlingly free of rubble and it doesn't look uh, damaged or defaced like most of the other ones did. Um, so, but there's nothing really telling about it. Uh, but as you're kind of spending some time in the quiet, and at this point you're far enough away and the walls are very thick stone, you can't even really hear the sounds of the forge uh, that mm -hmm. much anymore. You can occasionally catch the faint ring of hammer on anvil and on steel, just faintly. But it's very serene in here, and you hear the faintest whisper in a gruff voice that tugs at the edge of your mind like it's familiar but you don't know why tell you she's, she's essentially going to check if there's a draft and no yeah no no draft chilly into the thrones again when you do, uh, your your hammer kind of shifts forward from its hanger and taps against the stone of the throne, and it makes almost this bell ringing like note, something it definitely shouldn't have made. Metal touching stone. I mean, completely in shock. She's worried that, like, it's disrupted anything in the room. Completely on edge, like as to what it would be. I mean, right. Making so, sure nothing uh, is shifted too much. You look around, and there's a faint purplish glow that just kind of runs along, almost like like liquid, barely there in the carvings around the walls. Uh, she'll approach some of the carvings to see if there's... So you, uh, you walk close to them, and uh, the light gets a little brighter. And you look down, and you see that the purplish light is reflecting in your, your, the steel of your hammer. Um, we should pull her hammer forward and inspect it closer to the wall and against the wall. Is so it, you bring is it, it up. reflecting the light, or is it emanating the light, essentially? <sighs> so it looks like it's reflecting, but the reflection is somehow brighter than the source. So it kind of starts to give the feeling that the hammer is glowing, although it just looks like it's reflecting the light of the walls. And you, you hold your hammer up, and it's, it's heavy and comforting, the, the, the worn haft in your gauntleted hands. And you hear that voice again, Tilly. And the, the voice is strong and heavy and just sort of settles over you with this feeling of comfort and familiarity. And you are certain it came from the hammer, kind of 
but it wasn't really uh yeah it was it was a strange strange sort of feeling feeling completely stupid because this is nothing she's come across before she's essentially gonna get close to the hammer and be like are you talking to me like the ring talked to glass did you get <laughs> so you oh, listen hello? uh Th there is no response, but you spend some time kind of talking to it, holding the hammer and investigating it, and you begin to feel something from it, that there is definitely a sense of, it's not exactly like uh, like a, a person, but definitely a presence or a, a weight that the hammer didn't used to hold. Okay. Uh, I think eventually she'll probably make her way through the room, see if there's anything sure. extra amongst the walls, or if it's just the same sort of level of glow so throughout the room. You find uh, you find a side room with uh, a section of the wall in the north that looks like it was a secret door that was opened and kind of left ajar, um, but that looks like it just leads into another one of the, the series of rooms. Um, you probably ignore that and, and go back and check out the room. Uh, after a while, the glow in the walls begins to fade. But that heft, that weight, that new feeling of, of increased presence of your hammer doesn't diminish. For Tilly is not a very just let me just asterisk this really quick. Tilly's sure. not a very smart character. <laughs> but Tilly's gonna essentially come back to the throne when she sees the light fade in the room and curiously tap her hammer against the throne again. And see if so, the light comes back. It uh, it does not, nor does it make uh, any sort of strange sound, other than the the steel of the hammer touching the stone of the throne. But notably, still feels very like. Notably, still feels. It's almost like the hammer is more real. Okay. Sort of like it. It is in sharp focus, and everything else is not should kind of like hold it out like as if you're just like examining the entirety of it like mm -hmm. something must have been in a tea I suppose I only had a sip <laughs> of it I told them it was I'm kidding. and she'll leave the room as she kind of mumbles to herself about like what is going on I don't all right so uh, you, <laughs> you go about the rest of your uh, the rest of your explorations and I'll just note this to you your hammer has a plus one magical bonus to attack and damage rolls All right, so uh, the rest of the days pass. Um, Rowan, the surrounding forest around the halls is pretty calm and serene. Uh, Glad's the song of the ley line is resplendent in your ears every time you open yourself to it. Um, is it stronger now because it's not blocked or is it still a weak? Um, it's not as strong as it was when you first got here, because if you recall, oh, a bunch right. of back power up. was being siphoned uh, from right, right, right. what you now know as the Shadow Road uh, to this place. Because if you recall, it was sustaining a portal to the Elemental Plane of Fire. Yep, 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 yep. Um, uh, backwards. <laughs> right. Uh, the, um... Yeah, so uh, the, the next few days pass somewhat uh, uneventfully for most of you who just uh, just kind of hang out. Ryoden, um, it's a curious mix of bored and not as Obek with Janielle around every corner. So you're, right. you're having a hard time trying to decide whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah. It is a nice change I'll of pace. Yes. Yep. Uh, 
on the second Glass. day toward noon. Oh, yeah, sorry, Glass. I was just saying Glass is getting acquainted with the ring. <laughs> oh, sure. Uh, yeah, the ring chats with you. Um, it doesn't really have a whole lot to say because it doesn't know much or anything. Right. But over time, I assume you're going to kind of attune to it. As you're... Yes, I plan on attuning to it. Or actually, I was even going to do... Well, I can. Would you like me to see if I can find out what you are? I can do a quick ritual here and maybe uh, you're gonna, gain... You're going to identify remember... Yeah, using ritual magic. So I pull out my uh, moose skin and uh, do an identify spell on it. To... Perhaps we can discover more about your past together. Okay. All right. Uh, so you, you perform your ritual and... It's difficult. Usually you can learn all of the, the properties of an item whenever you whenever you use this spell upon it. Unfortunately, something seems to be blocking your awareness, but you do manage to pick up a few things. You, okay. uh, you learn that the ring is protective. It will, uh, it will guard you from frost and cold. And... Uh, you get the sense of knowledge, a great weight of knowledge that rests upon it. And you also learn basically a, a word which feels to you to have the, the sense of a name, and that's Walker. Walker. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Do you think that that was your name or something associated with you? So when you when you when you say that he uh, he sort of repeats it back, Walker. I like it. It seems right. Okay. I was thinking and that as maybe you, you are, but Walker works as well. <laughs> as you start talking to him about what you've learned, um, he begins to talk back, and it seems he is incredibly learned in various topics. And it's like memory starts to return a little bit as you jog his memory with some of the knowledge that you gleaned from your divination. So basically, he has proficiency in several intelligence skills that uh, Ooh, that he can nice. make to uh, assist or maybe know things. Um, uh, and it also functions as a ring of cold resistance. Very good. Um, also, when I'm away from everyone else, I'm going to see what appeared heavy in my uh, pouch when I made the deal with oh, Grandma. It was, it was the ring. It was the ring. It was, oh, the, was, it was oh, the feeling of the ring. Yeah. Oh, that, oh, that she put the knowledge. You, uh, you nice. also a, bought, you, you bought the rights to the ring. <laughs> yeah. With your deal. Got you. Because right. Rowan was going to come over to you and and ask what it was that she gave you for the nullifier's lexicon. It, all I can find is the ring. Um, but it seems as though the ring has knowledge. Perhaps it will reveal itself in time. Well, it seems you have your boon. It might be that this... What what did you call your ring? Walker? Uh, yes. It seems perhaps it will reveal more when it remembers. Correct. 
or when it is time. Sometimes these things... It seems as though when I cast Identify, a few things came back to Walker. But uh, there is still more that seems to be shrouded. So we will keep talking. How it could know about this, about this lexicon of yours concerns me. Well, I believe he probably got the knowledge from Baba Yaga, as she is a keeper of secrets and quite powerful, if legends are to be believed. I mean, look at the things that she created for your armor she and her house. Did you notice that that chicken legs? That is very strange. Yes, it made me they quite uncomfortable. Like yours, but a little bit different. I like to think that mine are a bit more attractive than that, but uh, I would prefer to not be turned into a hut, or legs for a hut, right. or a pie. We're gonna we're gonna pause the conversation for a moment. You yeah, we can get back yeah. to whatever you like. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, uh, towards noon on the second day, uh, Loke, you you can tell that uh, Paula's work is nearing completion. She has sort of used up most of the materials that she's brought. Um, she is red faced, drenched in sweat, as are you at this point. You've probably shed you know several layers to to be more comfortable up near the furnace. Um, and your blade has been absorbing this incandescent, almost white fire. And uh, when she pulls it out of the forge and is, is working it on the anvil, it is glowing white hot. And she has handed you a vial. In the vial is a mixture of various things, some sort of blood or oil, uh, thinned with water, and it has all manner of uh, gritty and ground things sort of suspended in it. Not exactly floating, but you kind of stir them up and they get stirred up into suspension. And she uh, she is uh, holding the, the sword in these massive iron tongs, and uh, she strikes the hammer one last resounding blow on the blade and uh, looks at you and nods, and you know at this point you're supposed to pour the contents of that onto the blade. Okay, uh, and I do so. Uh, as you do, you can feel a sudden burst of heat explode out from the sword, and then sort of swirls around you and collapses back into the blade. <laughs> and uh, Paula throws her hand up in front of her face, and uh, you kind of have to squint, and you, you look down as your vision clears, the white hot glow of the blade has dulled to this rich charcoal black with a red sheen over it, and the blade is burning, ignited. She, uh, she kind of, like holding it. She, uh, she, she takes a few deep breaths, nods, and kind of gestures to it. You, uh, you pick it up, and it is scalding hot in your hand, but doesn't seem to burn you. And you uh, pick it up, you wave it through a few uh, a few motions, and the flames sort of roar and crackle around the blade as you, you whip it through the air. And you can just feel the heart of flame, its, its heat, its power coursing through the sword. Um, I like to think while he was forging the sword, uh, it was very much something where he's like, he's very angry at the moment, and he was using mm -hmm. that anger to help Paula and like help like temper. Like, I imagine there's a moment where they're like, ting, 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 and like going back and forth and forging yeah. a sword. 
Um, and it, it's just like all he thought about the whole time is what he's staring at Baba Yaga and just hitting the hammer and how he wants to drive this sword uh, into her eye. Uh, and just and keeps like forging and that's what he thought about the whole time it's just different ways to kill her um and uh and like everyone associated with her um so uh and then when he's like holding it he's like hmm I love it hmm I don't know what to call it though Alright, so uh, as as you sort of hold it out, inspect it, practice with it, over the course of the two days that you've been helping forge it, you have attuned to it, uh, and your sword now has the properties of a flame tongue. Ooh. I gotta look up flame tongue. Yes. Following all of that, uh, Paula takes some refreshment, uh, drinks deeply of the beer, the ice-cold beer that uh, Glaz can produce from the alchemy jug, Um you have uh, you you all have a, a, a nice lunch following the uh, the, the back breaking work in the forge, and um, Paula says, "So, is the plan to go hunt a demon now, so the old witch doesn't have any reason to come after you?" I think so. Well, at least I for me, we are I mean. obligated. Yeah, except from Cloak, he's a bit moody about it. Hmm. Well, I suppose he has the luxury of her not being able to chase him. Right. Kind of leaves you all screwed, though. Well, well we let's make our bed. You. We made our bed. It is time to lie in it. How about not today, though? No. It's uh, <laughs> maybe maybe sleep the rest of this off a bit. I suppose I could now define what this creature is now that we are out of grandmother's house. Uh, Perhaps, or it might have been the nature of the creature itself. Glaz, are you ready to uh, reclaim the Heart of Flame? I'm not going to leave it here. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, And I go take the lantern and scoop it back up. Well, I'll uh, I'll come and sing it back to sleep. And she sort of chuckles and and heads up with Glaz toward the the furnace. She goes through uh, a very similar ritual that she did when she ignited the furnace when you first got here. Uh, She begins chanting and kind of half singing, half praying in Dwarvish. And uh, as the the minutes drag on, uh, there's a strange swirling in the flames. It begins to die as you expected it to, like the last time when you saw her do this. Um, But it's creating a sort of a vortex doesn't seem to go anywhere, but it is uh, different than the last time. And you can see her brow furrow. She does not seem to understand this and was not expecting it. Um, She keeps on and and perseveres, though. uh, And you can tell that she's beginning to strain with whatever strange magical energies she's manipulating through her her family's secrets. Um, She is sort of speaking almost through clenched teeth. As, uh, as this goes on and that vortex grows faster and faster, even as it gets smaller and smaller. Uh, and it condenses down almost to that single point like you saw last time, but it's now a swirling, almost like a disc, uh, like a sphere that's been partially flattened. And it collapses into a single point, bursts in a great explosion of flame that rips over the two of you up on the furnace. It's painful. It singes you. It doesn't deal any actual full damage. 
somehow. The flames just kind of roll past you. The rest of you who were maybe uh, in the hallway or just kind of waiting for them to finish up, you're, you're down in one of the rooms, maybe the kitchen. You guys clean the kitchen up and we're using that to eat your meals. You can hear this beginning to build and all of the um, torches are starting to kind of go a little haywire. And so you might go peek your heads out and see what's happening. And you, you peek out just in time to see this roiling wall of flame rip through the furnace, uh, through the forge room, swirl around the room once, and then collapse back up to the dais. Paula Until and like Glaz are sort of... Way up there. Sorry. Yeah. Like, Paula and, no. and Glaz are, are, are stunned and uh, and sort of taken quite aback and like checking themselves to see if they're, they're burnt and uh, just maybe can't feel it yet. Uh, it was that hot and that intense, but you are basically unharmed, strangely. And looking down into the forge, you can see the blue kind of burning ball that is the heart of flame waiting its waiting return to its lantern. But it is sitting atop a strange calcified black and red you'd say stone at first, but it's shaped like an egg. And it is smoking. Mm. And you can see that it's actually starting to ignite the 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 cold coals next to it. So it's very, very hot. First thing, Glaz, having fire wash over him as a troll, was probably squealed like a little girl for at least a moment. Ah! Yeah! <laughs> and then calmed himself down and then sees that and then looks at the egg and knowing that we fought a dragon here and... I mean, it, so... It, it, the uh, the burst of flame that ripped its way out through the chamber did scatter all of those remains and burnt most of them to ash. In fact, there's kind of a spray of dark black and gray ash that's spattered up on the wall. That pile of ashes begins to stir. Oh no! It puffs up again, releasing a, a plume or cloud of of. Uh, dust essentially up into the air and you hear a and a great shape begins to heave its way up out of the ash along with reddish light and ashes and a bear with smoldering fur and oh, sort of no. wild panicked eyes scrabbles up out of its own ashes Glaz then looks at the bear rising from the ashes mm -hmm. and then looks at the egg and goes, mm -hmm. no, not a dragon egg. Perhaps a phoenix. And that's where we'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oh, no. Did we just get a pet back and potentially get another pet? Oh, I don't think he we'll came see. back nice. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. oh, remember, he wasn't going to be nice. He he wasn't going to be nice to... Actually, uh... He was going to end up being nice to Josh, right? There was some weirdness that was going on with the animal friendship and the whatever there. I can't remember. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. might have been another there one. Was, yeah, yeah. There was, there was weirdness going on there. There's weirdness going on here too, uh, so we will uh, <laughs> we will see how this when plays out next time. Yeah, is definitely. Is there not weirdness going on? 
So, uh, as you guys might have been able to guess, this has been uh, a moment where we're gathering up a lot of those wonderful donations that have been falling on us for the past several sessions yeah. and uh, and sort of bringing those to fruition. So, thank you, our, our lovely donors, for uh, for all Oof. of your generous support and uh, and helping my hapless players out. <laughs> but since oh, I'm not just going like to that. hand them magic items, I'm going to attach some strings with Baba Yaga. <laughs> Because that's not ominous. I, I got the fuck needed. out of that shit, so... That's <laughs> just what we need. Oh, dear. Well, my friends, uh, that's all we've got time for tonight here on the World Tree Burns. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed tonight's episode. If you did, let us know. We'll be back, of course, next week at Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, as we're here. Um, boy, we're coming towards the end of this season. This next episode is our penultimate episode of, of the second season of the show. Um, wow. Woo! Things are going to get exciting. Yep. Let's go on a customer crew then. Um, did we enjoy ourselves? Where can we find you? Let's start with, of course, Dan. Fantastic job tonight. That was creepy. Thank you. Uh, how's, how's that for you? That was great. It was great. Uh, it, it was interesting. It's always fun to try and take the donations and uh, and work them in in an organic, fun, believable way, rather than just having stuff rain out of the sky at you. So this was this was cool. Was, this was this was a fun one, and I've been looking forward to some some Baba Yaga interaction for a while. So uh, we this season we saw a little bit of uh, touchstone onto Cloak's backstory. Uh, that was that was a blast. I had a great time. You guys did great. I love this game. I love playing with you. Um, so, uh, who am I? I'm Dan Dillon. I'm a uh, game designer on the Dungeons & Dragons team for Wizards of the Coast. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dan underscore Dillon underscore one. And I love talking D&D and Midgard and anything Cobalt Press. Hell yeah. And simply, how is that tonight for you and Tilly? That was good. Uh, Tilly being a little dumbfounded and confused. I, as a player, I'm pretty sure I know who that voice belonged to, but Tilly um, can only feel a mild bit of familiarity, but no, no, can't be. Um, I had a great time tonight. Bobby Yaga was 10 out of 10, one of the best experiences ever. And if you guys aren't supporting Dan here, either as a DM or on his own, please do, because if that didn't convince you, please just go back and watch it again. That was wonderful. It was great role playing. So, um, but yeah, yeah, it's been good. I am uh, actually kind of really sad to, to think about how it's we're kind of coming to a season end soon. I feel like I feel like we only just latched on and started. So, um, me as a person outside of this broadcast, I am a streamer here on Twitch. I make art, uh, lots of art right now. I've been getting a big art push, and uh, you can check me out any Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Saturday night. Um, and that's it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Thanks for supporting. Thanks to the nations, follows, love subs, rescribs, retweets, etc. I'm gonna go. Get back. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And McCloak, and how's that tonight for you and Cloak? Hi, I'm McCloak, and you might recognize me from such films as No One to Shut the Fuck Up <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, Forging 101. Um, you guys so, could have fought uh, with Mila. I was prepared for that. <laughs> I I was ready to do that. No one else apparently was ready for me to fight the Vila. So True. Uh, they all stopped me. Um, Cloak, there's gonna definitely be some interesting interactions with Cloak in the future with the rest of the party, uh, I think, currently. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And I, I liked how tonight went. Uh, I, it was very interesting. Um, and I think Cloak got a lot from it. 
also uh where he stands in comparatively to even going against someone as powerful as baba yaga like where his like places um so i think there's a lot of um there's one thing that I did, uh, and why I stopped attacking with Cloak is because I got a really good wisdom roll, the wisdom saving roll. And so I kind of like hashed onto that a little bit and used that into my decision to use, look at the situation, look at your friends here. You know, you're not going to help them, especially if more sisters are there. Uh, and right. then getting out of the Margrieve as well. If he did bad on his wisdom saving roll, I would have fucking let the dice roll hit that bitch um but that makes sense uh i <laughs> uh I had, a, I had a blast uh i'm looking forward to next week and see what stories we come up with and uh, uh and i gotta name my sword and i don't know what i'm naming it yet so uh there's a few ideas running out there so we'll see cool fantastic and scalaboff how's that tonight for you and rowan I've still got an adrenaline rush right now. I'm just trying to calm my heart down because I was holding my breath that entire time with Baba Yaga and just real, just praying to Wotan that that was going to work out. <sighs> I, I have no idea how this season is going to end and that both excites me and terrifies me. Two episodes to go. I, it really just feels like we've only just started. So gonna see how that all pans out um i am scarlet moth you can find me at that scarlet moth on twitter i'm an artist cosplayer D, &D lover and uh shit posting aficionado <laughs> i'm currently working on a, a rowan cosplay for some conventions in april i'm also fixing up a few other things at the moment and still working on more world tree art i'm still working on my uh series i started with glass and trying to finish the one i started of rio dan so keep I can't an wait eye to see out those. For that. those are wonderful so cool. yeah i've uh, got it it hasn't I haven't started coloring it yet but it's a bit hard to see oh Stuff's nice happening. Ooh. Yeah. Yep, yep. i see those yep. ribbons i drew hands i drew hands i'm real happy that never happens. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, and then last but not least, Tool School. Oh, that was fun. I love the whole Baba Yaga mythos in Midgard. And to have her you know, hut come to life and have her there. And she had her teeth in her mouth. So that was the whole time. I'm like, it's not just one person if we don't mess with her. Because her teeth will get you too. Um, but uh, no, I had a blast. And um, I had kind of forgotten her whole thing about secrets and so it was literally right in the middle of the episode that i was like what do i have to bargain with baba yaga uh with and so that was interesting to see how that might or might not go uh, i'd blast um and i've got a ring i have a walker to talk to which is frighteningly close to dread walker um which is a little <laughs> bit scary um so but we shall see we will see we will see because glass is going to make friends of course he's going to make friends um i'm tall squall you can find me all over the internet as tall squall and uh if you found me on midgard let me know if you find me somewhere else fantastic awesome uh well that's all we've got time for here tonight in the world troopers like i say back yeah. next week for the penultimate episode of this season uh I have one announcements thing. coming soon I have one yeah. Thing. yeah go ahead 
Uh, before before we leave, uh, I found the name for my sword, and I had to do Ooh. do some digging to find some information. Uh, so the uh, the name is uh, Trissa, uh, and to activate the flames is Morgrim. Ooh, nice, dope, dope, love it. Uh, awesome. Nice. Well, uh, yeah, like I mentioned, next next week, 8 p.m. Eastern here every Tuesday. Uh, tomorrow I've got a new show which is on at 5 p.m. Eastern. I'm really excited about it. it's Adventures in Middle Earth. Um, a long-awaited uh, return to that show is sponsored by Cubicle Seven, so I'm super excited to be working with those guys. Uh, so definitely yeah, come along. It's myself. Yeah, it's myself, Jim Davis, uh, John from Pruitt from WebDM, uh, Charlie Frost from Fire, Hazard, and. Um, Madame Gandalf, oh my god, of course, the most uh, Tolkien-esque of all of us, Madame Gandalf will be with us tomorrow at 5, so uh, yeah, super excited for that one, come and join us, but until next time, try not to roll too many that ones, we're going to be a little laughing when you do, good night everybody, bye! Good night! <laughs>